There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Rob Patrick. I've been enjoying your sports podcast so far. Um, NFL is not quite my thing most of the time, but what I am interested in is some degenerate gambling. So, Taking your love of the Bears um, and, you know, kind of your expectations from the season, I think I've got a hot parlay. So I think we take the Bears uh, on the money line, which is pretty conservative. Uh, like a, I think it's like a minus 200, um, 110. I want Justin Fields over 200 yards passing and give a little Bears flavor to this. <laughs> He's going to throw at least one interception, right? With that, on draft cakes, that's a plus 600 parlay. If I put $5 down, which I'm going to do just for this podcast, it's going to be a $35 payout. So really appreciate you guys giving me awesome gambling advice. I love the sports podcast and look forward to hearing more about the Bears, um, their eventual success. And, um, yeah, of course, they're a Super Bowl. Um, thank you, guys. Bye. Hey, Rob Patrick, I've been enjoying oh, your sports pod. No, get your degenerate gambling out of here. Rob, I think this this pod, this this voicemail is from a couple of weeks ago. I want to pull up uh, Justin I was going to ask, because I think, I think any other week we've played, that's a bad bet. This was before the Houston Texans game, oh, uh, in okay. which Justin Fields uh, threw, well, he attempted 17 passes, th- uh, completed eight, Threw for 106 yards. Didn't, didn't. 106? 106? 106. Um, so it didn't hit the yards on this bet. Hit the interceptions, two interceptions, but, uh, unfortunately, uh, your degenerate gambling was, you didn't, you didn't go low enough on, on the Chicago Bears. Hey, everyone, welcome back to Waypoints. Uh, new sports and sports adjacent podcast that sets out to disprove the notion that people, with lives dedicated to pixels jumping across the screen, can't also be unhealthily interested in what nerds condescendingly call sports ball every Super Bowl. Record a sports podcast, they said. Record a sports co- podcast with one of your good friends, they argued. Record a sports podcast before the season and anything could happen. They cheered. Record a sports podcast when it becomes clear you might be the worst team in football. They roared. And so we continue. Rob, I start off every episode with the same question. Are the Bears back? I mean, I certainly feel like I've seen this team before. <laughs> I don't know that we've seen. It's been a while since it's been this bad or this low or this. By this which you mean about feel. a year. By which you mean about a year. I don't know, dude. I, I like, think this look, year could go. Like th- th- we might not win again. It's so the the thing is like, yes, the thing that has been shocking is we had about two years there where we sort of felt like it couldn't possibly be worse than the poisonous combination of Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky uh, sort of running the offense. Historic pass, for, his, like historic 
just uh, just the bottom of the league in passing in completions just this is not a team that is running a modern NFL offense uh no. it's like oh this rob this ha- i know th- i know what's wrong matt nagy is what's wrong and also mitch Trubisky is wrong that these two are both just toxic elements well let's run an experiment Let's get Mitch Trubisky out of here. Great. Let's bring in Justin Fields. My God. Uh, wasn't supposed to be, shouldn't have been able to fall that low. We shouldn't have been able to trade with the Giants to get this. The Broncos should have taken him. And in Ohio State, my God, they, they, like, they love this Justin Fields. He's got all the tangibles and the intangibles. Now, Matt Nagy couldn't do much with Mitch Trubisky, but can he really fuck this up? Well, in that game against the Cleveland Browns, we saw a man die on the field in football terms when Justin Fields made his debut. And then we thought, don't worry. Nagy is the real problem. We'll get him out of here. Bring in someone who works under Aaron Rodgers. Like, if Aaron Rodgers likes him, we'll be good to go. Luke Getze, get in here, you new OC. Now, do you have any wide receivers? No. Are some of your offensive linemen, fourth, fifth, sixth round rookies from the last year or two is one of them have a severe back injury that they're recovering from and also possibly if rumors are to be believed an attitude issue that the coaches really don't like maybe all that adds up to like secret base that twitter account who has just been dunking on the chicago bears for like weeks on end just saying (laughs) statistically this is the way that the way analysts have been putting it uh, folks that work in analytics is the bears are playing a different sport. They're not playing football or at least how football is played in the last five, 10 years. They're playing something different. They're not passing the ball. <laughs> and, 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 and that's like really one of the weirdest parts of this. Um, and you know, you hear different people. So to, to give some context, so there's a there's a school there's a couple school schools of thought on rookie quarterbacks. I think increasingly everything's gravitating towards nobody knows anything. Yep. Uh, it just kind of works out or it doesn't. But you know the the Aaron Rodgers model, which everyone sort of touted for a long time, is like this is how you bring in uh, a talent. You have him ride the bench for a couple of years behind a, a steady hand. Wow, way and, to way to te- way to teaser another yeah. an upcoming segment of the podcast. Way, way to sit behind Brett Favre for. Yeah. Like four or five years, right? I think four years. He he was essentially it was a while. Yeah, uh, and yeah. So have him like you know uh, sit and if not learn from the master, at least like just by proximity, see how the game is played, get a sense for it, uh, like be part of the, the game planning, and just like really like study up and learn how to be uh, a a an elite elite quarterback. Uh, that has been tried with other people who are not Aaron Rodgers. Results nowhere near uh, what Aaron Rodgers achieved when when he finally became a starter. And then there's sort of the 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 other the other examples of people who are just kind of like tossed in there, and they just kind of thrive. sink or swim. Um, sort of like, like hey, kid, Lamar learn. Lamar Jackson, probably your your best example here, right? Where like uh, Joe Flacco was a a, a flagging uh, quarterback who already had a ton of limitations, a good team around him. But like there was a moment like like decisive moment toward the end of a season where it was clear, like if this guy just if this if you keep playing this guy, you're just going to lose. 
So it is time to see what Lamar Jackson can do. That was his rookie year, right? Yeah. So um, we should say like this, this goes uh, uh, in tandem with a new theory of team building, which is that rather than waiting for a, a rookie or successor, more like successor quarterback yeah. to learn and then step into a mature team, you take advantage. This is uh, when they, they renegotiated like the contracts with the players, the way the, uh, what they call the rookie pay scale. Basically the first four years of a rookie contract, you're basically paying these quarterbacks peanuts. And if you put them in, you throw them into the fire and they hit, then you are paying the most important player on the field absolutely nothing relative to what you will have to pay them in four to five years, depending on how fast they accelerate, how fast they ask for a full contract. And you can build around a team. And it's, you know, it's important because this is a salary cap league. This is not a league that has a luxury tax like the NBA, where if your owner just wants to eat it, you can go over um, what like there is just a cap and you can be creative. You know, look at the Saints, look at yeah. many other, the, the, you know, the Rams. There are ways to get around it, but you eventually hit a essentially a hard cap. And if you the, the, like the best thing you can have is a, you know, Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen before they have to be paid 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars a year. And the trend that we're heading uh, you you can build an incredible team around them and hopefully they develop, but hopefully you also win a Super Bowl in those five years before you have to pay them. And then you can just transition to the model of, well, we'll just be in the playoffs every single year. And then occasionally it'll be our year because everything comes together. Yeah. Uh, right. And so, like, you know, clearly, like nobody really knows how to do this. It's it's, it's kind of a, a luck of the draw type situation. Patrick Mahomes right now, still I think wide regard is the, the best quarterback playing, uh, was a top prospect mostly because like, you know, his, his coach like was really moved to, to draft him, but like was not like leading into that draft regarded as the person that like, this is the quarterback of the future. The, it like, just kind of the, works yes, There's a way. world where the bears, I mean, like we should like the bears drafted Mitch Trubisky, a, not an all time bust, but ab, like is going to be seen as a bust in retrospect, especially after spiraling out in, uh, in Pittsburgh, uh, uh, in the, in the last uh, week of football. But Patrick Mahomes was in that draft. Deshaun Watson was in that draft. The Bears should have drafted, put aside all the shit that we now know, um, should have drafted Deshaun Watson, was more of a sure bet. They went with Mitch Trubisky. Patrick Mahomes didn't slide. He was just, he was seen as a raw tool, as they call it, toolsy quarterback that could do some interesting things, but they were just no, had no idea if he was going to make it in the NFL. Uh or, or or be sort of a, you know, a top 10, like, elite quarterback. So I don't even, you know, bash the Bears for not not picking him, but it goes to show just how random things are um, at, at times. Although I will always but, remember when when Mahomes came and beat the shit out of the Bears. I think that was yeah. two, three years ago, and he was counting on his fingers how many draft positions he was picked uh, behind where the Bears picked Trubisky, that's great. You just love to be have that on prime time. To just have an all time, seemingly all time nice guy. Like you know, maybe Mahomes will be revealed to have a, a dark side yeah. at some point, but seems to just be a nice dude. And yet he could not help but fucking rub it in our faces with his fingers that we didn't well, pick him, and we could have. 
And so this is the thing, like to a degree, everyone sort of knows that it's a quarterback lottery, really, to, yes. to see how it's all going to work out, which does wild things to the psyche of football fans. But also there's a little bit of like it's random, but it's random up to a point. Right. Yes. Uh, you can it, it, break a player or and, you can set them up to to fail. Um, this is like one of the broader criticisms of the the NFL not having a developmental league. How many incredible Hall of Fame talents have we lost because they just couldn't make the immediate jump from the college to the NFL where they didn't, you know, they don't have like a, a G League like the NBA or a farm league like they have in MLB. Now, granted, <laughs> the way players are treated in things like, you know, double uh, A in the MLB, although shout outs to them, they just unionized. That rules. Um, hopefully they're in the beginnings of negotiating a contract, so hopefully they'll get treated nothing, better. Nothing clarifies the urgency of a union than the commissioner just blowing apart your developmental leagues <laughs> yes. over a period of years. And like, huh, maybe, maybe, I mean, we lost our team. I had a, I had a minor league park a few blocks away, beautiful little stadium. Uh, gone. You, oh, you lost that as part of the? Yeah. Aw. I have heard there is place. nothing some of the most fun sports you can go to is the minor league baseball because they have to work. I feel like we talked about this somewhere. I don't think it was on the sports pod. I think it was on the main waypoint radio feed, but like I've always meant to go to one because they have to make it so family friendly and fun because you're yeah. not there to watch the best talents. You're there to have essentially like a circus like experience. It's, it is like a County fair is the, the vibe. A lot of those games, it is like a County fair. Um, yeah, it's it's adorable. Uh and and I miss it. But but yeah, um the like baseball kind of went after its minor league teams uh with a weed whacker. And now now they're unionizing, not just because of that, but also because condi- like pay conditions just didn't keep up at all. Uh oh, with, at- atrocious. With like it it like it is they're unlivable wages uh yeah. in uh in baseball and you have to travel all the time and it's a nightmare. <laughs> But yeah, like, but the Bears were always going to be a a tough place for a player to learn the most difficult position uh, in in American football, maybe the most difficult position in in sports period, mm-hmm. uh, really, with the mix of like physical and cognitive uh, like weapons you need to bring to bear on it. And so that but but that's where we are at. And the thing is, you, you'd always sort of say, well, you know, under the old regime, he's playing under a, a lame duck administration. Um, and once other people came in who knew what they were doing, something would unlock. And to go back to sort of what, what launches on this tangent, it isn't that his passes aren't connecting or he's playing poorly. It is that. He's not even being asked to to throw most times like right. they, like they're calling games as if they think the worst thing they can do is put any responsibility in the hands of like this elite prospect. And that we are here in the fourth week, uh, after four weeks uh, in the second year of, of this guy's career is alarming. Cause you, you gotta believe that if they felt this was a situation where we just like, if we give him the, the reps success will come, we'd be seeing those reps warts and all. And they are just like, Hey, how about you practice handing off? Yeah. Hey, we, uh, we don't have a team around you and you're going to get the shit kicked out of you. Every other play. Just, just don't just try and make it to the next play, buddy. Like just hand it off. We got a good running game. I mean, like there were, 
uh, the Bears have like one of the best running games in football. And the way if you don't watch football consistently, like part of the modern game is that if you have a decent running game, what that unlocks is something called play action. A lot of what you'll see is like when a player will Aaron Rodgers is begrudgingly like is so incredible at this, like the the fake handoff where you are you basically the 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 quarterback can choose to like engage in a run play or a pass play or it's a fake run play because the if you have a good run game, they have to put players in to defend that run, which in theory opens up a pass catchers to be more open, have more separation because there are fewer defenders out there for them. And what doesn't make sense with the Bears is that they can score, like against the Texans, a game that they won because they pulled it out of their ass because their defense had an interception at the very end. They should have lost that game. I think they had 281 yards running. Normally, if you told someone, hey, you have almost 300 yards in a game on the ground, holy shit, you must have scored like 35, 42 points. Like, I, I don't know what they scored in that game, but it was like 19. <laughs> you know, well, like and it increasingly, increasingly like ground yards imply air yards. Yes. Like the, the two attacks like exist in tandem. And like one of the most widely debunked things in sports, uh, like like one of the it's so obvious now, I almost hesitate to bring it up. But like it is, it is shocking how recently some of this was firmly exploded. But like before people started really like just in in like internalizing what basic statistical analysis of trends did. There were a lot of people who like believed the traditional thing, which is teams win when they run. If you dominate the run, it opens up the passing game. uh, And like the teams that run more, don't give the, don't give the rock to the other team, Rob. Yeah. And then what's been like proved beyond doubt is yes, teams do win when they run. It is because winning teams run the ball because they don't need to pass. Uh, but like that's that's predominantly how like that is what's driving the engine is uh, the ability to like stretch the field and and have some explosive plays uh, with a passing attack opens things up for the run. Or if you have a good enough running attack, the idea is it at least forces enough people into what's sort of called the box, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where the, where the running game plays out, that stuff will open up for an underachieving quarterback and an underachieving receiver core to just like make some decent like gains in the air and it will all work out these. And it's, and it's hard to not have this formula land. Like, like I watch a lot of other teams play football. They do not look like the bears to your point at the start of the show, the bears are playing a different game. You can watch, you know, seven, eight games in a weekend. None of them will look like a bear game. Rob, have you seen, did you see this tweet? Um, This one I think is really interesting um this is one of my favorite followers uh, or follows on 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 twitter um it's uh uh, uh brad spielberger over at uh, uh pff uh pff is professional football focus they do a bunch of statistical analysis of oh my god of of, of sports and uh there's this graph that uh and he, he uh brad is also a huge follower of the bears fan of the bears and so even though they do all sorts of Statistical analysis. Uh, of the rare the national reporter who's deeply invested in the Bears. Yeah, yes. And so he's really fun to watch because like beat reporters are frequently too close to a team. And so they tend to buy into narratives a little too uh, easily because they're around the coaches and the players. It makes sense. Like I follow beat reporters because I want to know <laughs> what's the feeling inside the building. 
Quick aside, the beat reporters who cover the Bears for the Athletic on their podcast did a thing where like they talked to national media members. What do you think about the Bears? And the first suck. guy they had up was I don't. Yeah, and that was yeah. basically it. It was the most owned I've ever felt as a bear as a Bears fan. It's like you have these two beat reporters like, all right, so give it to us straight. Like, what do you really think of the Bears? And it's like, who? Well, it's like the the scene from Mad Men, right? Where, yep. where John Hamm, like, I don't even think about you. Yep. <laughs> so we'll this, this the chart. Season. Honestly, Patrick, though, you know what? This, this, this chart is alarming, but also at least... At least it, allow, it allows show. you to start explain like feeling better about the season. So this chart <laughs> shows uh, essentially uh, how frequently is a quarterback uh, experiencing pressure. And so pressure means that like when a when a when you if you were to watch an NFL game when a player does they call it a three step drop back. It's like one two three. They look around and then they throw. And so uh, in that progression. Do they experience like having to move? Do they have to dodge something? And like that interrupts like what is there a very exact like footstep arm calculation formula that is happening. How often is that interrupted? And the Bears are comfortably having their quarterback, Justin Fields, interrupted the most in which they are not able to just throw the football, read the field on a like a normal basis. It doesn't have to be perfect, but like it's it's this is something where it's like deeply interrupted. Combined with that is a very important stat called wide receiver uh, wide receiver separation. And this uh, is the vertical which, axis. This is the y axis of the graph. The yes. the pressure uh axis was the x. Which is like if you imagine two players who are like running a track meet uh on a on a football field like can that one player the, in this case player for the Bears get half a yard, a yard some world where like the pl- the quarterback can throw the ball that gives them a chance uh and the bears have the highest qb pressure uh rate and the highest uh lack of separation by wide receivers which means you have a quarterback who is under duress constantly and even when they're thinking about looking their wide receivers aren't open which explains well- why then Justin Fields is essentially spending. I think they say like I was uh, Nate Tyser of the athletic, like who is a quarterback uh, explains like basically as a quarterback, you like step back and you go like one Mississippi two Mississippi and you get like to two and a half. And that's when the ball is to come out. That is essentially as long as you were going to get um, in the NFL. And then by two, two and a half Mississippi got to be out. Uh, Justin Fields is like going like one Mississippi. Whoop time to run. <laughs> like, and, and he's fast and he's, He's he is great at dodging like he he is he he has those traits that you want. Um, I will say as an aside, my man's needs to learn how to slide instead of like lowering his shoulder or like crumpling like a rag doll. He slides like he's going into second base in baseball. Yes. And like stays up at the waist like he, he slides his his legs are flat on the ground, but he's sitting up. He's tough and as shit. Mr. Bisky was too. like able yeah. to take incredible you have hits to be. Um, but, but, bears, yeah. but you don't have, but there are times where even he gets away and it's like, dude, you don't have to try and dare the defenders to mess up on a late hit. Like we don't get those extra 15 yards by risking a concussion. <laughs> so 
yeah i mean this is this this chart is wild because like it is he is off like on an island in terms of like what his offense mm-hmm. looks like but it does explain like one of the real things about that the people are saying as they give up on on fields is that uh and this this emerged early is like he seems like he might be a slow processor which is to that point of like you've got really until two mississippi two uh three mi- you got that long to throw the ball and like a good quarterback needs to process all their options really, really fast and like yep. figure out where to put the ball. Um, and a lot of guys can't do it. Like it is like to be an elite quarterback. It's not, it's not even something I don't think you can study for. It is like you either like your, your mind either works that way or it doesn't. Yep. Um, but if you have nowhere to go with the ball, you sort of can see why the slow processor things comes in because like you're desperately trying to find a pass that's even remotely viable and it's not there. Um, yeah, this is, this is an alarming chart, but yeah, it's, it's an alarming season uh, for, for the bears, my friend, like what, like where do we go from here? Cause you know, we, we sort of came in, you know, we started, this as like bears and it's sort of stolen a win. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was, it was sort of seeming like it might be a fun, scrappy little season. It does not seem fun now. <laughs> no, I think, I think it is, it is, Closer to what it's was always going to be. The the funny thing is, I didn't want them to win games. The best case scenario was for them to win three, four games and uh to have an incredibly high draft pick, but you're looking at I wanted them to actually emulate the Lions, which is that you look at the Lions last year did not win many games. They had a first or second uh pick in, in the draft. Yeah. But boy, they were fun to watch. They had a culture. They had players that were happy to lose because they were having fun losing. And that's like the best pot. Like the Dolphins did that a couple of years back under Brian Flores. Like the best possible version of a losing season can be, look, let's all be realistic about what's happening here. This is going to kind of suck. But we're going to band together kind of like a band of brothers we're going to discover who we are as a team, and then we're going to go out and spend $160 million next year and get some reinforcements, which is what the Bears have to spend next year. And what's worrisome about right now is it doesn't seem like anyone's having fun. It doesn't feel like we're learning a lot about Justin Fields. And so the hope would be going forward is a lot of what you've seen is like a very conservative team that's like, let's try and win. And and to from my perspective, I'm like, no. Don't try and win. I would rather be creative, run weird plays. I would rather see the Bears score 18 points and Justin Fields is going back and dropping dimes deep because he's taking a risk. I don't care if he throws the interception. Like, throw the ball. Give them give give him a chance. Like, let him develop. And, like, I don't need him to yeah. hand the ball off 900 times no. in the hopes that a game goes your way. Because actually... It punishes the team if we win too many games. It yeah. doesn't help. Like Justin Fields, he'll the year like his year three is going to be for a lot of teams what is year one for a quarterback. So we're already behind the eight ball on this rookie contract theory because you kind of got to know by year four exactly. Uh, um, and so yeah. next year is 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 a real make and break season because they're going to spend a bunch of money, and then the year after that you either cut Justin Fields or. You like hope that one of these quarterbacks is disgruntled. You know, Lamar Jackson doesn't want to be at the Ravens anymore and you bring them in or something like that. But uh, 
So I'm 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 settling in yep. for like what the season was always supposed to be, and my hope is now that the team can internalize that and just focus on having fun, establishing an interesting culture, and being interesting as opposed yeah. to trying to win. Because I think that's the, that's that is the frustrating thing is if it's one thing if he's like just not pulling the trigger on these passes and, it, and if he's like, bad, he's find out he's bad, but find out he's bad. Because you tried to be interesting, yeah. Not but because yeah, you're trying to. It feels hide like they're him. trying to win games with you're like trying we'll to just have him. Khalil yes. Herbert run like yes. a million times a game, and it's like I don't yeah. want to see that. Like even if you win games, if you were like, and if we do this, we'll grind out ten wins and and make a wild card slot. I don't care. I don't no. want that. I don't want to watch. I do not want to watch seventeen games of this in a season. No. Um. No. Yeah. So it's 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 rough. Uh. You know. There's been. Fortunately, there's a lot of other good football uh happening, but I also do feel like that all got overshadowed in the last week by what went from being like a really like kind of fun story about. Miami's under a really promising head coach and they like a couple weeks ago stunned everybody by knocking off the Buffalo Bills who look like they have a possibly a generationally good team. Though I'm a little less less bullish on them uh, right now. But like, yeah, stun, stunned our pickums too, Rob, which I did the yeah. math on. We'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but the the entire thing was kind of this, uh, you know, Miami's proving to be a surprisingly good team. And one of the most like not controversial draft picks, but one of the one of the guys who's always been like with a lot to prove about. Well, we should be specific. They this happens very rarely with quarterbacks. They drafted somebody who was injured to start. Tua Tunga Tua Tunga has had a hip injury, a severe hip injury coming into their first season in the NFL is something that they suffered uh, during their final college season, but they were such an exciting prospect that it was like, this is a recoverable injury. Don't worry about it. In fact, actually, if that means that he drops out of like the first or second pick, like you wouldn't be, you shouldn't have been able to get him. And that's basically what happened to the dolphins. And so uh, he didn't, I think he played late in that season uh, when he, when he like the hip injury recovered, you could write that off. Second season also doesn't go that well. But this third season, they, they really doubled down, like got him, uh, you know, a bunch of really incredible receivers, like these really speedy receivers. And they have just with this brand new uh, uh, coach, which also <laughs> conveniently has us forgetting about all the Brian Flores stuff that is still like quietly going on in in the background. Um, and, the, and the Dolphins actually lost a draft pick over the not. Well, it was Flores adjacent, but when they tried to essentially, they were going to eject Tua and get Tom Brady and Sean Payton to be like their combo. Uh, They lost a first round draft pick for uh, next year as a result of all that weirdness that was mostly associated with their uh, their owner. But yes, it it, like uh, two weeks or two weeks, I guess, when when this goes live um, a week ago during one of the games with the Dolphins, where they, I forget who they were playing. Was they the were Bills? playing Buffalo yeah. is where the first Yeah, they were happened. playing the that's Bills. Where, that's where they stunned Buffalo yes. with this win. Yes. And at halftime, uh, or going into halftime, Tuas uh, suffers a, an injury in which when they get up, they do a classic concussion response, which is they look dizzy. They look like they're not able to stand up like they've been on a tilt a whirl and like the the world is is spinning uh and 
they get a hob like brought uh, to the sidelines. They are not able to keep their composure and standing up multiple times in a row have to be helped to the sidelines. And the thought is, well, of course he's not coming back in for the rest of the game. We all saw what just happened. And then they break for halftime. Uh, they are, they're examined by an independent neurologist who has since been fired because the NFLPA, the players association, which is the, the players union. Um, uh, and he goes back into the game. And they claim it's a back injury, like it's some sort of like stiffened back injury. I, I have had the most major back injury of I've had is like a, you know, a herniated disc. Uh, I don't, I don't know your specific history of that Rob, but I don't, I've had a slip disc. Yeah. But the what I saw of Tua when they had that initial injury was not something that I've I fallen to the ground yep. like like when I had my herniated disc uh I you know putting my I, I noticed it happened when I was putting uh, my my uh, second daughter Elizabeth had been born and when I was putting her to sleep in her crib and I was putting her all the way down I, I didn't want to quite scream in pain but I was like well that fucking hurts i don't want to feel that again but but i wasn't wobbling to the ground and needed to be helped up and specifically the a week later uh uh there is you know they're in another game and uh, four days later it was the thursday night game oh right it was right that because that's another which all which has always been controversial there have always been people who felt for the four days between teams that play on sunday and teams that play on thursday is not enough time to get people physically recovered enough to play football. Now it's for the kind of, been a, a even for the incidental the injuries thing. that yeah. you would, you know, uh, suffer as a part, like, like just hamstrings, calf, quad, like just, you know, football is, is, yep. is as much as we are going to talk about this too, as a major injury, football actually is really about like a, a, a bunch of small injuries adding up over time that you are recovering from. But yes, like they they play just days later, um, and uh, roughly halfway through the game, again, Tua suffers. Now, it doesn't look so when we usually think of a concussion, it is like a helmet to helmet. This is the thing that the NFL is in quote unquote trying to crack down on, in which like it's a a player hits the other player with the helmet or a helmet um, hits the ground. It's why they uh, are constantly calling in the last couple of years these roughing the passer injuries, which is where you will see a defender fall on a player. Because, like, if you have, like, a 350-pound defensive lineman fall on top of somebody, that kind of pressure hitting, bouncing off of the turf can cause a really severe concussion. And in this case, uh, Tua suffers, you know, what is most likely a second concussion with an undiagnosed first one. And specifically what made it so disturbing was that for roughly 10 minutes, Tua is out uh, in the middle of the field with what they were, I believe, calling uh, fencer's hands. Uh, fencer's uh, like response, yeah. Fencer's response is like very stiff fingers, which is a neurological response to brain trauma, in which yeah. your fingers just sort of like, if you just, I don't know, like imagine a corpse with stiff fingers, but like you have all the color in your flesh. Yeah, I think the head uh, turns to one side too. Yeah, uh, it, yeah. It, was, it was disturbing. And also, uh, hey, Amazon, like didn't need to keep, like I saw it once, you know, like I didn't need to keep seeing the stiff fingers like six or yeah. seven times. Like I understand we've just experienced something traumatic and that's part of the game that you make with football, but I didn't need to see it uh, for the eighth time. There's yeah, there, there's a point where sometimes it's like, is it in good taste to continue showing this uh, given, yes. you know, families watch and, and such. But uh, yeah, it was, 
you know the, the weird thing the weird thing was even the the like three days between those two games you know the two things that were talked about were one like the dolphins seem like they're for real real uh two yeah. uh, seems to be like you know he seems to be that guy uh that the people have not been sure about before he's answering but also, the questions rob he's answering the questions we keep asking about but also his- one of the segments like every single one of the segments was also yeah but okay what what about that it looked like he got concussed, right? And so that was noted, like, lay people, like, for three days were like, this doesn't seem like they're telling us, well, the protocols, like, you know, handled, he cleared them all. Uh, so, you know, nothing to worry about it. We we follow best practices here. And then, you know, you, you see this game and he has an, another major incident, uh, which, you know, is immediately the severity of it. Uh, makes you think that yeah, it was a compounding concussion. Uh, you know, on top of that, and you know now now it's like this is this is career jeopardizing stuff. Uh, with you know life life jeopardizing stuff. Uh, to to be quite frank, um, and this is like kicked off a lot of examination of how the NFL handles things like this, and then you know it's it's funny because in some ways. The reason this is so shy, I was, I was hearing Dominic Foxworth talking about this on, on his podcast. You know, like one, one funny thing here is this is shocking in part because the NFL actually has instituted a lot of reforms to try to get people out of games uh, yes. when when they're at risk like this. Like there there are times where for if for, for folks that don't follow football or aren't familiar with like the, how the these rules work, where these days they can call in when they see a player ex- experience like let's say player hits the ground and they say I'm fine and they go off to the side and like they talk to the coach is like I'm good send me back in they can essentially overrule everybody on the field and say take him out go get him checked out which means he might be out for you know a series maybe even just two or three plays but like the game keeps going they don't pause to check that player they just swap in a backup or you know whatever the case may be uh and then that player gets checked out and maybe they come back in. It turns out they're okay. They actually just got like briefly dazed in the way that you, you can, if you, you know, just hit your head, but don't quite suffer a concussion. But there are, they have of anything the NFL has done to like add safety measures. Yes. It took them decades to acknowledge the concussions and, and, and things of that nature were real, but there are actually like fairly decent by NFL standards, <laughs> like rules in place to account for this sort of thing. And the fact that this happened and there was visual evidence of just, we all like, you know, like we saw what we saw with our eyes. Like we know he got fucked up and they still let him play. And by the, do- maybe the dolphins did actually everything right. Take out your checkbox. Check, check, check. Yeah. I know you might've done it, but I saw the motherfucker stumble. And you well, sent you sent someone out there to I, you can die from a concussion four days apart. And this is and, and this is the other thing, too, is um, so they have their, their checklist, and they have their protocol and such. But like this really assumes that a concussion is something that you can make show up like a fracture on an X-ray. Right. And that is just not what you're dealing with when right. you're dealing with concussions. Uh, you know, MK had a car accident a few years ago and like. It wasn't clear for years how severe the concussion was like for like there's basically a year she doesn't remember uh, like that. You know, I'll, I'll be like, hey, remember when? Like, nope, doesn't remember it at all. She was fully lucid. She was present for those. Right. 
she just formed no memories of that year. I remember them. And occasionally I fill her in on like what that year was like. But that is, and and like, that was a pretty, like a relatively minor, major impact was relatively minor car accident, uh, you know, uh, basically rear-ended in traffic uh, and then had a front impact as well. Uh, so but also a one-time hit. thing, right? As opposed right. to... Well, so uh, apparently neurologically, though, probably two concussions. Sure. Because uh, you have the front and rear impact. So right. it's like some of the compounding effects are there. I guess, but like uh, not going back out there and be like, hey, coach, put me back into the the demolition derby so I can <laughs> right. rack my brain around. Like there's... Did you see this thing that Alex Smith said as a result of all this stuff? So there was this... Uh, Alex Smith, the former 49ers Yeah, I was listening to an interview with him on uh, ESPN The Daily. Uh, Maybe with, this is where Pablo this Star. is. Yeah, this is where this is from. Where So um, yeah. this is from a summary from Fox 4. This is going around a bunch of different places. So uh, I'm just going to read from this. Former Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Alex Smith appeared on a podcast and told a story about how he continued to play after suffering a concussion during his time with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, on November 11, 2012, Smith took a hit to the back of the head from St. Louis Rams linebacker uh, Joe Lon Dunbar that he says caused a concussion, but he continued to play. Quote, popped right back up, act like nothing happened, and continued to play. Hiding symptoms at this point, trying to assess internally if I'm all right, if I could play through this and continue to roll. Smith said he felt good enough to play until the offense called for a quarterback sneak. Quote, I think we converted it. I go down and hit the ground, kind of diving, and boom, instantly what I would call a star in my vision. Trouble seeing. It was a day game, really bright. It was a beautiful day at Candlestick Park. I got this kind of big, bright star in my vision I'm having trouble seeing. Smith said he was never knocked out, remembers everything from the game, even the ensuing touchdown he threw while having trouble seeing. Quote, we're driving down the field and they blitz me. Thank God they blitz me. They sent the house, I throw this little dump pass to a wide receiver Michael Crabtree on a hot route, and he scores a touchdown. Following the play, Smith went back to the sideline, sat on the bench, and then backup quarterback Colin Kaepernick instantly knew he couldn't continue. Quote, I remember sitting... Uh, with Cap next to me, and we're looking at the pictures, and I'm trying hard to get my eyes to clear up, and it's not happening. I remember distinctly talking to him, like, quote, man, something's not right. Uh, and the thing is, Smith is only illuminating and articulating a thing that d- dozens, hundreds, thousands of players probably lied about. Uh, yep. Both for reasons that are for many reasons, they're understandable. Like that, that is where coaches rules institutions are supposed to come into play because the contracts that players sign go against admitting that you have an issue with a concussion, with an injury, with anything. Like it starts even so far before that, right? You're just acculturated like from the early days of your playing career as like a kid. Yeah. That like, you got to show you want it. You got to show you got the grit. Yep. Um, and that you're not someone who's looking for an excuse to not play. You get, you gotta be, you gotta be out there begging to like, get those, get those reps. Uh, and so it, it, it really does like, you've got a, a group of players who just by disposition, by training, uh, by, by incentive, all of that is going to be pointing to don't even acknowledge that you're hurting and just like get back out there uh and 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 play on uh which is why you kind of need like more aggressive and overbearing rules about this stuff to just remove the decision you know remove the decision making out of these folks hands i think one of the things that smith talks about in the interview uh you know these 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 tests they administer they they can be passed by people who are concussed uh you know they're 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 not the hardest they're not if you've got the right answers (laughs) 
Yeah, it's you know I, I didn't totally follow like because because parts of it did sound tough to fake. Like there's mm. there's a um like short term memory test. There's a reaction time test that seemed mm. kind of tricky to fake if you're if you're legit messed up. But uh, you know apparently you can you can sort of get through those. Uh, and so like you you know you have players who know they're not good to go, uh, but take their chance on the test and will get a passing grade, and then they're ready to roll. But you know the, kind of the question is there's there's cases like w- w- with Tua where yeah do we really even need to administer the test? You know like you, you right. saw a guy have a, a impact to the back of his head uh, falling backwards, and you saw him like stumble to the ground as as he lost his equilibrium you know i'm not sure you know maybe we don't need to or do just air, air on the side of look they may have passed the quote-unquote test but you know we know in our guts we know in our eyes what we saw like just sit him for the rest of the game figure you know figure yeah. it out figure it out yeah. later but but here's the thing i will say though too um one of the things that this is not my why i feel like okay about the nfl and everything like i still like feel like there's a lot of complicated ground to navigate about this, but one of the things that I sort of realized about the NFL uh, is that in some ways it is just all out there for you to see. Mm-hmm. But one, uh, people are paid a lot of money to run these risks. A lot of them love this game and they, they emerge, uh, you know, it's sort of showing people to his level. It's less, less the case for like linemen, but like, uh, it is it is a very high paying, uh, very hard physical job with with a high injury rate. But this happens across a lot of industries too, right? Like in, in the NFL, it's kind of shocking that like they didn't stop; they just put him back out there. They didn't give a shit. Um, let me tell you this, uh, you know, again to to just like MK is a white collar worker. I think she was back at work less than a week after the concussion um because she you know she was a new hire uh eager to prove herself she had not accumulated pto and Mm. so like there was no pto so you just got to go in uh i've had two elderly uh relatives uh have get concussions from falls at work uh working you know working in their 60s in retail and such and like you know trying to you know get something off a high shelf overbalances falls back boom uh you know blow to the head and there's no support there like <laughs> absolute absolutely not maybe maybe there's work workman's comp uh but what like the thing i often think about when i look at people's reactions to stuff like this in sports is it is shocking and football should do better uh but football one is is like at least on this on this like question in particular is at least trying to do better uh, this is less commonplace than it was, and once it's clear like there is a crisis, at least there is like some some there is like and, a like, public pressure mechanism. It. What is which is we saw that person get the shit kicked out of them, and right. no one did anything about it. And that that's where actually the not that Amazon, <laughs> which is like ironic that Amazon, a company famous for exploiting its uh you know its its workers. Yeah, they should cut away. But the fact that they didn't is part of the point that you're making, which is that we're watching people in an arena get paid on, you know, in fathomable amounts of money Yeah, for a lot of those players to to hate each other because they want to. Uh, but it's all on display. And so when things go awry, we also can all raise our hands and go, 
this seems bad. We should probably do something about it, which is different than how we resolve other sorts of labor disputes or right. ex- exploitative uh, maneuvers by by companies because like the, there, the organization itself is forced to say, you're right. This seems pretty bad. We should probably do something about it. <laughs> there is a there is an argument you make that that football is like one of the like highest paying uh dangerous blue collar jobs you can do. Sure. Yeah. And like people in a lot of other it, it, hell, not even necessarily necessarily happen need to ha- they need to be blue collar. Like some of the, the worst stuff I've heard has happened at what you would think would be like really safe retail jobs just because like no one gives a shit and there's no support. So that, that is one thing I, I, I try to bear in mind is like, you know, it's sometimes it's like the football is a the football's machine that just the grounds its players to powder. Uh, that's that, that's certainly you know something that that it does the the players aren't paid nearly enough for the risks they run too much of the benefits go elsewhere, but uh, it has far from monopoly on grinding people to power powder, and at least up front the money is good. Right. All right. Well, I never do this for Kato, but let's take a break. Yeah, and we'll come. We'll come back uh, and uh, we'll we'll pick up with uh, the the tease you had where we <laughs> talking about Aaron Rodgers and, and quarterbacks. Uh, they got to sit behind. Uh, Aaron Rodgers got to sit behind. We'll be right back. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. And we're back. Brett Favre. I, one of my fondest memories of Brett Favre, uh, Rob, is uh, essentially the play that knocked him out of the league was uh, when he was playing the on Saints the Vikings. putting the bounty on his ass? No, no. The, I, I, I might be wrong in this. My memory is that one of his uh, final plays in the league was playing against the Bears in the snow when he was playing for the Vikings. And... We sacked his ass and it was essentially like maybe that was not when he was done done. Did he, the Vikings was his last stop or was it the Jets? Yeah, it was the Vikings. Yeah. The Jets, um, the Jets came in between. Right. Uh, and I believe it may be the case that like one of the final things that occurred to him was a Bears linebacker. It might have been or lacquer. Or oh, yeah. I, I don't, oh, yeah. Corey Wooten sacked his ass. Yeah, it, this is a uh, touchdown wire. This is uh, yeah, this is a USA Today piece. But uh, Throwback Thursday Bears end Brett Favre's career in Minnesota. Okay, yes, I was at a bar in Wisconsin, my all-time favorite bar in Wisconsin, a place I grew up around. Take my kids to now. Uh, watch that game with my brother, and just again, it was one of those things where it was another year where the Bears sucked. And what was I there for? Not even to watch the Packers lose. I just want to 
to watch Brett Favre get his ass kicked. Oh man, yeah, he just got having, having just had that whole exchange about you know, it's a it's a hard game, it's brutal, the risk will <laughs> run. Uh, let me tell you, like that hit on Favre uh, don't look good. No, uh, it is the way he's lying there after that is like, ah, uh, yeah. I hope I hope he's okay. But on the other hand, <laughs> fuck Brett Favre. We do like now we know uh, if we didn't already by then. Sometimes it is fun to watch bad things happen to bad people, uh, <sighs> which is kind of where we seem to have ended up with Brett Favre. Uh, it is, it's 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 a stunning story. It is it is like it is such a you know there, there was a clip that was going around uh, Shannon Sharp on uh, Undisputed with Skip Bayless, you know, mm-hmm. his sports debate show, um, where he talks about. What 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 a low kind of man you have to be to do a Brett Favre uh, did, which we'll explain in a minute. But that's kind of where I'm at too. Is like there's a point, like you know, Aaron Rodgers seems like an asshole. Yeah, as a he's gonna have no, he's gonna have. I forget what this quote was, um, but it was when the play is gone, all that's left is character, and that can be the character's a little too broad because that could be humor personality but all that's left is the person right like when your arm doesn't work anymore when your body reverts to the body that we all have like that stuff all goes away and you sink back down with the rest of us what's left is everything else and the brett Favre that we have who is accused of you know participating in a grift of tens of millions uh meant to go uh, to, you know, uh, potential welfare recipients or just trying to help out poor folks in Mississippi uh, lines up neatly with the player we saw on the field, the personality we saw on the field. But you don't really know that until they're stripped of all those talents and they suddenly have to. uh, Because these types of people can't recede. They don't know how to recede. They could just take their money, be assholes in private, and just go away, but they can't. And like Brett Favre is a, oh, he was, and this is, Brett Favre exists before like our modern culture of social media, sports personalities that are like, he wouldn't go away before it was cool to not go away. Uh, And that was one of his defining characteristics was you're done nobody wants you here anymore and and i I will say this like people wanted him to go before he was ready and before he really needed to he had some he had like you know he was always clinging to like the last bits of a golden age right the last the last bits of daylight and there was still good in those days but you know his first you know right away when he left the packers um you know he's caught up in that dick pic scandal Yes. Uh, nice count. Nice count. He just sent dick pics to uh, a sideline reporter for the Jets that he didn't even know, um, and like just randomly sexually harassed this woman because he could. And uh, you know she's caught up in the entire thing. Uh, it's it's sort of nationally embarrassing. Um, and that's just like that's kind of what he did on his first stop uh, out of Green Bay. He ends up with the the Vikings and and has a good year there. But you know in his the thing is in his post uh vikings careers post-retirement career 
he sort of seemed like he had settled into he's doing the jeans commercials he's pushing yeah. some maybe dubious supplements uh that you'll see on basic cable advertising from time to time but like seem to be following the arc of a lot of like washed up players um you know you want to get and, your dick hard like when i used to step back and throw a ball 40 yards down the field before i, I got the shit kicked out of me i did oh, love i mean like, that, that is when i think about Brett Favre, like if I put aside all this other stuff and just think about Brett Favre, the player, all I can think of is a player like arching their back in a way that is unnatural and then throwing the ball to the moon. Like they call the moon balls, right? Like Russell Wilson was very well known before, before he completely fell off a cliff and might not be a football player, might be, might not be on the Broncos next year based on the pace that he's going. But like these moon balls, (laughs) like news to his contract, but go on. But like moon balls where they just like the camera doesn't has to like lean up to look at it. And he used to throw these moon balls while also like a linebacker is just walloping the shit out of him because he comes at the end of like before like some more player safety comes in before they cared more about like, hey, 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 man, if quarterbacks get injured, nobody wants to watch these teams. And a master record for like Cal Ripken, like longevity of just like consecutive starts. He just didn't get injured. Well, I mean, he got injured. You know what I mean? But like he kept playing. So and and like my memory of him, too, is uh, like, you know, just a guy who was like, I can make that. You know, yeah. absolutely being like, I'm, that guy's triple covered. Uh, I'm going to throw this pass. Was that an interception? Dang. Probably. We'll just try that again in the next yeah. series. That was a punt. <laughs> but, and so that's the thing. Like, it, you know, it's like one of those dudes where I think people in Green Bay were more frustrated frustrated with him than than the national audience was because he, he was a fun quarterback to yes. watch. You never knew. Uh, you, you You knew that you were going to watch something entertaining when he threw the ball. But he had, he had settled into what seems like a pretty like familiar familiar like uh, you know post career arc until this last month where there's been a slow rolling scandal about welfare funds in Mississippi that kind of caught fire in the last month because now there's a direct line to Brett Favre and this this corruption scandal and there's texts uh, that are just kind of like. They're funny, but also disgusting, but they're also really funny. Uh, like to to give some background on this. Uh, and, and again, we've, we've cited it uh, already once today, but a, a good podcast. If people are, are, are curious for, for more sports stories, uh, ESPN's The Daily Podcast is actually really good at covering a lot of a lot of the stuff. They've done two episodes on this, uh, one with a nonprofit uh, news reporter uh, down in down in Jackson who's been working the story for a couple of years. And then with like the Mississippi state auditor uh, who, who has been working in this case Ooh. as well. Uh, so they get in the, the nitty gritty of it, but the, but the bottom line is Brett Favre's kid was going to uh, Southern miss, uh, right? Mm-hmm. Southern miss university. And she's a volleyball player. And, you know, people can write in, tell me if I'm, I'm wrong on this score, but I do feel, you know, there is a booster culture everywhere in college athletics, but I do feel the South uh, is, you know, ground zero for the biggest and wildest booster cultures you find. Well, things sports. like Friday Night Lights don't come out of nowhere. Like that is that is a culture in which f- football, you know, certain athletics become community. Like when we talk about sports as community, like there's 
uh, hey, I like getting together with my neighbors or my friends on Sunday to to have an excuse to do a thing. Uh, and then there is this defines everything about us, the past, the present and the future. Uh, when we talk about legacy, we're talking about what is this program? And I think that's a little, that's kind of like the world you're you're talking in. And, and and attracts people who like want to be big shots uh, for for the program for for their universities, and Brett Favre uh, like really got invested in this idea. There, you know, uh, on on this other podcast, uh, the the Daily, you know, they even played a clip of him bragging about the incredible facility that uh, Southern Miss has that for his daughter's uh, uh, volleyball facility. Well, it, they have this facility because he became really obsessed with this idea of donating funds. For a world class, whatever the fuck that means, uh, like volleyball facility uh, for the the women's volleyball team that his daughter played for. Only thing is, I mean, world class means at least five million dollars, Rob. Anything less than that is less than world class. Breffar probably had the money to throw at this a few times over, but oh, um, he just naturally. didn't want to. But that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter to people like of this caliber when they when they ascend to this sort of spot in the culture. Uh, it's not about money. It's just about I don't know. It's about ego or power. I don't even know what I don't, I don't even know how you would specifically characterize. I, it. Yeah, I think I think it is like the the prestige, the ego, the 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 feeding of the ego that says like I did that, I built that, I I, yeah. I gave these people this facility. And it also feels like charity. It's not remotely, <laughs> uh, but it also feels like I did a fine thing. I, yeah. I I gave of myself to privileged kids on the athletic scholarship <laughs> being paid for by football players uh, across campus. Um, but so he hooks up with some people who to, to here's the other angle of this. So there are federal assistance programs uh, for like, I want to say it's like Tanth. Uh, like assistance for needy families. I can't remember what the, what the, what the T stands for, but it's basically like grants to States to put toward poverty programs, whatever that means, but it's very wide open. Like it's very, it's very, it's extremely vague. And like, it's, it's vague on purpose because it was reformed in the nineties when you have like Clinton era, like, Hey, damn. It's like, it's essentially welfare Queens 2.0. We need to, we gotta, we gotta crack down on these poor people also known as, Black people, black women specifically, like in a lot of stuff in the South uh, in which let's just create a slush fund. Um, So actually, you need to show this is going kind of to poor people, but it's just going to be a bunch of money. You can just do whatever you want. Well, and thank God for the nonprofit world, uh, which generates a ton of like there's some great nonprofit organizations. We've worked with several. Sure. Uh, But, you know, my friend like I have a friend who works in nonprofits and he's very frank about like you do have to be careful because they're also if you're unethical and an immoral person, a registered nonprofit is a great way uh, to get like favorable tax treatment. Uh, mm-hmm. And access to government funds while providing no social benefit whatsoever. And that's kind of what happened here is yeah. that uh, these federal funds uh, were sort of being given away by the state of Mississippi to some politically connected uh, folks who are running like bogus nonprofits in the state and far connected with one of the people running these to like start advocating for giving him money so he could donate it to Southern Miss 
for this for this volleyball program. Not just that, he also he also gets a million dollars that is written down in a ledger for talks that he gave. Quote, quote talks. Didn't give never gave any of those talks. A well, million dollars. That's an inconsequential amount of money to him. Yep. Uh and you know, I think it, it seems like, and you know, all this, all this is alleged. Like it's unclear, like you know, how much of this is willful. Like, uh, you know, the, the the criminal case, if there's if there's going to be one, is not yet taken shape. But uh, certainly, the state is asking for its money back. But one of the things this is going to hinge on if it goes to court is, you know, sometimes people are just schmucks, and mm-hmm. they do wildly corrupt shit because they don't know better, uh, because they're absolute gomers about the entire thing, being like, well, I just. People want to give me money. Who am I to say no? They just seem like they want to do something <laughs> oh, nice. I wasn't. Oh shucks. Yeah. I'm just. I'm just. A, I'm just oh, a southern uh, wearing jeans boy. Yeah. Just slinging balls out in Green Bay, Rob. I just. But then you get these texts between Brett Favre and like this woman who was running one of these shady nonprofits, where he is explicitly asking, "There's no way the media can follow, find out where this money came from, right?" Because that and like very can't clear be both, can't both be true, though. Right. Like, I think it's like a little column A, column B in which you become so privileged and I uh, knowing that shit can't touch you. You might be aware that you don't want the PR. Right. Like, does, does he really think when that sort of stuff, that's more of a, hey, I don't want uh, the modern dead spin to like write about me uh, if this comes out less. So do I yeah. think I'm going to end up in jail? Uh, it's like, uh, gee, it would be really inconvenient if there was a 24 hour news cycle about this money, but like, I don't think I'm going to end up even in white collar prison. Yeah. I mean, who knows, but it, it certainly seemed like he knew that's like something about this. He deal. knew it was bad. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't, it wouldn't scan well. Uh, and then the, and like he was, you know, there's the, there's the text where he got a large disbursement of cash. And I think he's out there texting, uh, Hey, Santa came. Uh, oh thanks. Uh, thanks so much for your help. With <laughs> I this. didn't see that. That's yeah, so dude. Bad. Like it's, it's bad. It's, it's bad. And, and again, like, you know, what we just said about like sports kind of exaggerates things that are already there. Um, this isn't really a, like, this is notable because it caught up Brett Favre, the, a name people know people care about. Yes. Uh, and the reason it was getting so much attention in the first place, I think, because the the million dollar man uh, from wrestling was actually yes. one of the other people like running a running a similar like game like this. But is this really more representative? Like this is happening every state politics. Yes. Yeah. And especially like, you know, noble like, yes, yeah, corruption, corruption happens everywhere. Uh, but man, like, you know. In the old Confederacy, like a lot of these state, a lot of these state governments uh, really are run uh, like, you know, ruling class patronage schemes. Right. Uh, and, you know, like. There are networks of power and wealth that connect these folks, and if you not fit into that uh, milieu, fuck, you just live there. You know, we're, we're, we're here to sort of profit off of you and, and buy you. And that's kind of, that's kind of what happens in Mississippi, right? Like Mississippi gets a lot of welfare funds because it is an enormously poorly run state with a lot of poor people. And then they the, mo- the money doesn't sure. go to the poor yes. people. Like there, the, like in this article, you know, Vox explaining some of this, like there was this analysis after like this post mid nineties, like reform, the like, quote reform of, of this whole system in which they said, uh, quote, most of the post-1994 decline in the cash assistance caseload resulted from a reduction in the share of eligible families receiving benefits rather than a reduction in the number of families meeting states' yep. definitions of being a needy family. 
Because at the end of the day, they want the checks and they'll find yep. out where those checks are going to go and they'll check the boxes where they need to. But they're not going to go to the families that actually need them because actually it's politically advantageous for them to say, gee, look at all these these families. We got people off the welfare rolls. Which, well, we, which, we, it, it's like yeah. we either got them off there or look at look at these fucking succubuses that just cannot get off of the welfare. Like they win either way. Like yeah. the like the messaging helps them to claim they get people off, then you get more money to get people off. But then you also politically can say, well, we just can't get these fuckers off, you know, just, you know, and then that just that feeds into its own cycle of just, you know, exaggerating the existing poverty and uh, issues that are that, like, well, started. This and this cycle. is also like, you know, to, to be fair to him, like one of the one of the things Shannon Sharp brought up in that rant was our policies are, di- are, are completely dictated by fury and moral indignation by the by just the mere thought of some like hypothetical poor person often of color receiving a, a benefit they didn't earn they're not entitled to mm-hmm. um and so there's always more hurdles uh for folks who fall into that category there's always more restrictions on on when and how they can get aid whatsoever and meanwhile you got guys like far who are probably already given sweetheart treatment across a bunch of other deals like to say nothing of the fact that like rich people get privileged tax treatment just regardless and even that's not enough, right? Even there, it's like, well, now with my money and my access, what am I going to do? Uh, well, now it's time to start hooking into public funds uh, and and just sort of uh, like leeching off of that. How much and do you like, think this has to do with, you know, I think about this with like Tom Brady, like not to get into like salacious gossip, but, you know, like he the you know, the, the reports are that he's about to go through a divorce. Uh, these folks who. I don't know if this is – I pay attention to the NFL more than other sports, but there's something about certain NFL players where their entire identity is wrapped up in this. And these players that don't know how to quit while they're ahead or uh, find other interests, like is there something about the NFL specifically you think that results in these sorts of particular shitheads that – end up being these sorts of monsters post career, or is it because the NFL is just the most popular sport in America that we just hear about them more often than we would hear about them in other sports. And that as a result, they're also paid more than they are, would be paid in, in other sports. Yeah. I, I, it's a good question. I think, um, I think part of it is, I think in particular, I do not think there's anything like being an NFL quarterback. I attract a certain sort of shithead, right? Yeah, and also I think it's just a different you become a weird central like heroic figure in a way that is rare You're a king. in in other sports. It just doesn't exist. Like the point guard is the closest equivalent. Well, I don't I, you know, I watched the NBA but I don't I you know, but I the point guard used to be kind of that. Uh I think that's maybe changed a little bit now in the modern NBA, but the quarterback is that. You are a king. Like you, everything revolves around you. Yeah, and and I and I think maybe also, uh, you know, I don't I don't know how it is how it was like you know maybe back in you know what's happening in the NBA back when when Farber's playing. Well, I do. I mean, you know, you got the the Bulls dynasty and, and right. Yeah, such. Jordan is like, happening in parallel. That that's why that's um, why I think like I think of the point guard like as that because I have the specific lens of of Jordan being a you know a point guard in that era. But the weird thing is, I feel like a lot of those dudes end up involved in like Jordan ends up being a part owner 
of teams. And he sucks at it. Oh, like that's terrible. the funny like terrible. Jordan Jor- like Jordan's post NBA career is being like horribly mediocre to abjectly bad at almost there's everything. A, there's he's an unretirement that nobody ever remembers in there, by the way. Like like absolutely nobody remembers uh like his his actual last time in the NBA. Uh, oh, the Wizards? So, yeah, we don't talk yeah. about the Wizards. We don't talk about the Wizards. No, dude, I think it was after that. <laughs> Really? There was Dude, something I, after the Wizards? I feel like uh, there might have been there might have been so, he might have done something in Charlotte for a hot minute. Uh, oh, well, then maybe even I deleted that from my memory. <laughs> uh, but uh, so. Yeah, Jordan the, is the closest you can think like he's the closest Brady Favre Rogers like sort of equivalent like because th- that is rarefied air in other sports. Um I, the closest I can think of in the NBA right now is like a LeBron or a Steph Curry. Um, uh, but those are both like mostly liked players. Like, uh, I mean, they're obviously disliked players in the NBA. Uh, uh, like, uh, oh, who's the anti-vaxxer, the Nets player? Uh, who I'm, Oh, uh, Kyrie. Yeah, Kyrie. Uh, like, but Kyrie is not, he's a, if I was to ask the average person on the on the street that even likes basketball, they might not know who Kyrie is. Like he just does not ascend. There is something about being in the NFL at the center of things where you don't even have to care about football and you know who Aaron Rodgers is. And he is the one thing I will say is I cannot wait for how much of a piece of a shit I'm going to root even harder against him in his post NFL career because he has nothing. He has no ch- charisma. He's not interesting. When he goes on, what's his face's pod? What's the the the, oh, the, the um, Colts? Yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, damn. Shit. The Colts kicker. Uh, Colts kicker podcast sound sound real cool. Pat McAfee. You know, he goes up. Pat McAfee's like, hey. It's part of the week two of Aaron Rodgers' book club. What are we reading this week, Aaron? He's like, oh, we're going back. We're reaching back. We're reading 1984. And it's like, fuck you, Aaron Rodgers. You are just like, <laughs> just, just the most uninteresting. I just can't wait. I can't wait for him to lose his arm. I can't wait for him to lose his physical talents because he will just be just a complete he'll just be a guest on the pat mcafee show uh talking about god knows what in 10 years uh and that that is what we're going to be subjected to yeah yeah uh but yeah i think it's just like the the other thing that i wonder if it's part of it is football is such an all-enveloping game too i i I think it's like it you know in, in a weird way it's like uh institutional living for your entire mm-hmm. career um and I, and I think that can be the another a weird thing that's, that's hard to let go of but uh and, and like yeah it's uh i i think that's part of it but i also just feel like you know there's something here where brett Favre is a star quarterback from the south and he's getting that's a good star point. quarterback from the south shit that's a good point um, you know, I mean, right now, uh, you know, one of the, the biggest stories in sports is a washed up college star 
you know, making it becoming a national laughing stock in a Senate race. Uh, you know, oh it, my God, yes, Herschel Walker, yes, yeah. I mean, this is this again. This is this is kind of. These guys are celebrities, but especially they are celebrities and gods to a certain type of person yeah. that you and I are not. You know what I mean? Like right. the, you and I do not care about sports in that way. We certainly don't care about college sports in that no. way. We don't like we're not overawed by it in that way. But like in among this set, these are these are demigods. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, how can you? So you end up with a situation where it sounds like a literal governor of a state was like, how can I help you realize your dream of building your daughter a posh basketball stadium, <laughs> a volleyball stadium? Uh, so we'll watch what happens. I, I, I don't have a ton of faith that Favre is going to, you know, be behind bars anytime soon. But I, the best you can actually hope for in things like this is they are just, scuttled into the darkness you know he's had radio hits canceled uh like sponsors are pulling out you can't rip money out of these people they are going to be grossly rich they are not going to go to jail but when you think about as we were just discussing like what drives these folks that become so they can't think of themselves other than these types of people Frankly, the worst thing you can do to them is to take that away from them and to force them into anonymity. And that is they have to go hang out with their family and their friends. Oh, boy. That sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, it also sounds like a nightmare for the four people who have chosen to to, to associate with a person like Brett Favre. And then right. suddenly has to hang out with them all the time with no other outlet than, you know, calling into a radio. Hit. This is low key. One thing I can't imagine is um, and I have no idea, like, what's her person she's like. Maybe, you know, I, I just have no idea. But it's certainly I would I would have felt weird if my dad was trying to buy my team that I was on a volleyball stadium while I'm on the team. That would have felt weird. Yeah, I and I would certainly just want to disappear forever. Yes, like this story is coming out and like you're tangentially part of it because like he wanted to buy his little girl a fancy volleyball state like like fuck off the worst the worst. All right, but we're getting some questions. Uh, Rob, if you want to highlight. Yeah, the audio again. Uh, We've got this one, which I have just dubbed. We're complete losers. all right, we're going to play this. We're going to play this clip. Hey, Rob and Patrick. I uh, hope you guys are doing well. My name's Ari. Uh, this one isn't exactly a classic team sport, but hopefully a story about being some of the uh, biggest losers in the state of Maryland for years running still piques your interest. Uh, I spent all four years of high school on the football field during the summer and the fall, uh, but not in sort of the usual way. Uh, I was a member of my high school's competitive marching band. A lot of people probably don't even know that's a thing, uh, but it's sort of like what if music was also synchronized swimming. Uh, look up Drum Corps International on YouTube if you want to see the best of what's out there. Uh, anyway, my school was decidedly not the best. Uh, in the first two years I was there, we managed to come in last place in every single competition we participated in. This was probably eight to ten Saturdays a season where we spent the entire day rehearsing, traveling, competing, uh, watching other bands. And then we would get told that we were the worst in our division, get back on the bus and get home well after dark and then just sort of go, well, see you next weekend. 
Uh, part of the problem, right, was that the uh, each band performed separately and was scored on a rubric. So there's really no way to take advantage of like a fumble or a foul or anything like that for an upset win every now and then. Uh, if you suck, the judges just sort of say you suck and then you go home. I remember one particular morning my sophomore year, I'd gotten up stupidly early. must have been in November. Uh, rehearsals outside on the field in the morning. There was still frost on the ground because the sun wasn't above the tree line yet. Uh, my fingers were numb. Everyone was miserable. Uh, after practice, you know, I spent the whole walk back into the school thinking about how I was doing this just to come and last again. And was pretty seriously questioning if I wanted to finish out the season or even the day. Uh, I stayed in the end. Uh, there's just always something about that kind of performance that I love too much to let it go, even if everybody sort of agreed we sucked at it. Uh, kind of sort of the opposite of the prompt, but I'll never forget the first time we didn't come and last. Uh, it was partly through my junior year season. We were all in the stands listening to the results. Uh, and our division comes up and we're expecting to hear our name first because that would mean that we came and last again. Uh, when I said another school instead, we all started cheering so loudly that we got dirty looks from the people around us. I actually cheered harder for the band that came in last than for ourselves when we got, you know, second to last. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening. Hope you never have to personally experience an 0-16 season, but I will say it keeps you humble. <laughs> Just brutal. I, I've all of my personal experiences with sports. I had like, you know, baseball teams, basketball teams that were not particularly good in the elementary middle school era. But I feel like that's before you're conscious of what it means to suck. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't have any memory of. Losing or continuous losing, because like before, I, I feel like before high school, you're just not really internalizing what that. Like you probably remember if you won. Like I do actually had one uh, baseball team, the Blue Jays. We won like whatever the championship was. And I certainly remember that wasn't a huge participant in that process, but I I was on the team. Uh, But it's not really, I think, till high school where you like really internalize what it means to suck and that you do suck and that you're reminding, we're being reminded that you suck. And like this story just sounded brutal, especially when you're not like really in competition. You're just being judged that. uh, So this was the similar thing. That's probably my first that like that's certainly my freshman year when I was fencing uh, collegiately because there is no division one, division two, division three fencing. There's just fencing. Okay, And so you're going up against like fencers from (laughs) Ohio State and like uh, (laughs) like Michigan and uh, Northwestern. You're just there to be beaten. Well, yeah, and and here's the other thing. By the way, like this is the other thing when I, when I brought up like women's volleyball, I've seen it. Incredible sport requires a lot of ability. Yeah, not a lucrative sport. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Uh, and so like a lot of these athletics departments, they're sort of this just sort of openly acknowledged, like widely talked about. That like things like football programs, the players are not compensated. It's it's, it's basically stolen labor, stolen mm-hmm. wealth uh, from their talent. That money gets funneled into athletics departments and then turns into funding for other sports programs and scholarships for players in these other sports uh, that nobody gives a shit about. And that's certainly fencing because uh, like you're you're there. Like one reason that you're just getting absolutely rinsed uh, just right and left is because. You know, the teams, you know, colleges like to win in other sports. And so, you know, there's 
there's places like, you know, my little school, like Detroit Mercy and such, who are like, just, hey, fencing seems cool. Let's try it. We'll, we'll go to have competitions. And you are going up against people who I kid you not are Olympians. Uh, <laughs> like you are like you will just go up onto the piste and there will be a Polish kid uh, who looks at you with the dead eyes of a shark. And just fucks you up. Uh, like you, you just do not know what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, cause that kid has been doing it since they were five. Yeah. And you picked this, th- you picked this weapon up a year ago. Um, and so like, that's, that's something else that was, was in play there as well, which is like, you really got to see, okay. So these athletic, like athletic department money is being washed into the kids who are playing like one of the poshest sports you can fucking imagine and being like, <laughs> no, no, don't worry about it. you should not have to pay for college. You're an epist. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's incredible. Uh, I had people write in uh, for this week. I wanted people to pitch us on, because I don't know what the future of this podcast is going to be. Rob, there's a chance that week eight, week nine, do we really want to talk about the Bears uh, losing by 35 again? I don't know. We'll see. But I wanted people to pitch us on other sports that we could get into. Uh, so we had people write into uh, gamingadvice.com with the, the topic sports uh, and also uh, writing into, uh, you know, if you see me on Twitter, I'll put out a link to a Google Doc that you can submit questions to. And so um, I think uh, do uh, we'll trade off on some of these. Uh, a lot of these I will just say we'll have to eliminate because a lot of people just really want us to get into uh, – cricket there's like a really strong cricket contingent um so i'm I'm gonna read i'm gonna read this first one and then i'll I'll have you read the second one so soccer two hours long commercials only at halftime starts as early as 6 a.m but if you bounce around leagues and stuff you can watch it all day i will say i have a friend huge soccer fan it works out for me because he signs up for like every service under the sun my my youngest really loves paw patrol Am I really going to pay for Paramount Plus just so they can watch Paw Patrol? No. My friend pays for it so they can watch soccer. <laughs> and so I I steal their login so I can watch <laughs> Paw Patrol on my Apple TV. They have it because there is, you know, some Arsenal. I think Arsenal is their, is their team uh, that they, they want to watch. Uh, and the problem is I've just... I don't know how you feel about soccer. I've I soccer is one of the sports that I like watching in person. I have real difficulty watching uh, on TV when it is not the stakes are extremely high. Like, like, like it's the Olympics. Look, or, I like watching the U.S. women beat ass. <laughs> yeah, that's soccer. the last time I watched a soccer game. That's like I would be putting those on my TV, and like that's the la- that's the literal the last time I've had a soccer game that I've, I've watched in anything close to real time. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that, that's kind of thing. Or like, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, uh, world cup or something when, when the yes. people, people are like someone really excited about, uh, sure. I'll watch Like, here's the thing, like th- this, this pitch, I absolutely agree. Soccer seems like it's awesome to, to be yeah. into like the lack of commercial breaks. There is something just really soothing about like the sound of a soccer game is nice. The big, just endless expanse of the green field. Uh, it's, it's just, it's a gorgeous game. It seems like a lot. Here's of fun. my response. I already have it. It's called baseball. 
Uh, yeah, but it's, I will say soccer is more exciting than baseball. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah. But like so much of the rhythm of soccer, I feel like I already get from baseball and I'm already invested in a team there. Right. So like already a Cubs fan. Yeah. Soccer is similar to baseball in the sense that like it's slow. It kind of plays out over a long period of time. You don't necessarily need to be keyed in to like every specific moment. There are almost the equivalents of home. It's like where baseball is now kind of broken as a sport where it's like strikeouts or home runs. It's either goals or not goal. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I just like part of, I think my, my, where I run into a problem with soccer is that the game that I just want to have on in the background when my, when I've told my kids, Hey, we're not watching uh, iPads anymore. Like dad, you still have the TV on. I was like, well, yeah, but that's baseball. That doesn't count. (laughs) Like I know we've turned off all of our other devices, but when the Cubs are on, I'm not watching it. It's just there. <laughs> yeah, I uh, no, and I, I I'm like I I frequently think, especially since I got Peacock now, and they do a ton of the, the the Premier League stuff. I do think about that could be a fun thing to to throw on for for the entire day. But I just uh, yeah, I haven't I haven't quite like figured out the game uh, in that way. And honestly, like the. The arbitrariness of stuff like penalty kicks and such drives me nuts. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Like I like I think it sucks so badly that the most highest stakes game in so- in so- in in soccer can still be decided by a series of penalty kicks. <laughs> like at least like if you're if you're doing a World Cup or like a national championship, play overtimes for the love of God. Like well, don't not unfo- like this. Unfortunately, Rob, like some of the pitches here are going to be highly contingent on. That exact feeling that you have just you have just described. Do you? All right, should uh, I take this cricket? Yeah. Do you want to take this next one? Yeah. Get into cricket. Cricket is great. The best part about Test cricket five day matches is it throws a wonderful light on the hot take reactions from fans and sports journalists. Since you get a new set of hot takes at the end of each day, and they're often the complete opposite of the hot takes hot takes from the previous day. Five days is a long time. It feels I like I once asked somebody who was really into cricket. I was like, "How the fuck do you watch?" He was excited about attending cricket. And I was like, "How do you watch?" Like you're attending a thing that goes on for like a week, and he was like, "Yeah, but it's a week in heaven, mate." <laughs> Made zero sense to me. Still does. Like I don't get it. <sighs> yeah, I mean, like what, what, I'm trying to find another uh, one about a tie here. Um, but well, one of the ones that, uh, I thought was really funny was, uh, uh, dear sports. My favorite sport is one where the referee is in fact a dungeon master. You guys are probably aware of it, but I'd be astonished if you were into it. The sport is rugby. Rugby is arcane and inaccessible. Understanding rugby rules, uh, simply means to know that it makes no sense. Rugby has laws rather than rules. This is a point that blowhards, all sports have these, rugby's are as bad as any, love to make without really understanding how chaotic the situation is. Rules are strict. They're easy to apply. Rugby's laws are mutable. The referees effectively pick and choose when to apply them because if they were adhered to too strictly, the entire sport would fall apart. (laughs) This is made explicit in the sport's official charter, which sits above the drafting of those laws and which says, quote, the laws must be applied in such a way to ensure that the game is played according to the principles of play. The match officials can achieve this through fairness, consistency, sensitivity, and when appropriate, 
management. So as per the refs are DMs, they're DMs because they have to be otherwise, this thing simply wouldn't work. But why is rugby is so good? The answer is probably not to everyone's taste, but those who like it love it. It's a beautiful, bloated moonshot of a sport with strategic, tactical, and action layers. All ridiculously complicated, all working together and against one another in ways literally no one understands. Again, the game's charter makes this clear. At first glance, it is, quote, at first glance, it is difficult to find the guiding principles behind a game which, to the casual observer, appears to be a mass of contradictions, end quote. What sport advertises itself with words like that? The answer is the best one. Of course, to be clear, there are two types of rugby. The one I'm talking about is rugby union. The second variant rugby league is an offshoot of union. It is a coherent game with coherent rules. The refs are not DMs. It is far less popular. I am a rugby diehard. I love it too much. It makes no sense. This message is going forever. I'll stop here. Love your work, Ryan. That is... Uh, I think I'm getting into rugby. My I think friend. I'm getting into rugby too. This like, so here's the other thing, Patrick. I, I don't know. Like you've lived, you, we, we've also been strangers in a strange land uh, across American cities. Yes. But one of the things that I've always sort of thought about, like this seems like a good way to live is those bars that really pointedly advertise like, Hey, we have six nations rugby here. <laughs> and it's like, you'll walk past those bars at 9am and pe- they are p- full of people cheering and hooting and hollering. People are drunk off their loaded. asses. Yes. And They've been I'm getting like, drunk the night before to get ready to go out at 7am to watch a game. And I'm like, that seems like a good life. Mm-hmm. I could be that. Like what's better than this? Yeah. Start, start your day early with sport 6am with some of your best friends, total strangers in your six, in your, in your six nations uh, bar. Hell yes. Patrick, let's do it. Let's get into rugby. I think I'm going to have to request if you've made it this far to what does that mean for us to get into rugby? Who are we watching? What are we? I don't know. Like I, the the notion of a game. So it is. It is true that all sports, despite having rules, uh, like there is there is room for error. We've talked about this with baseball and like its notion of implementing like robots for uh, determining like the strike zone. Uh, we have talked about this with how the NFL selectively enforces uh, rules that are, quote, reviewable and non-reviewable. And so in that sense, even something like the NFL has discretion, DM adjacent sort of a feel. But what this, what Ryan is implying is a whimsy that does not exist in the sports that we are watching, Rob. Or that the, the, the notion of flopping in which like a player performance influences the act of play is then extended to the broader sport itself to the referees to the notion of rule or like you know what this game just feels good this way let it go which to be fair in the nfl sort of exists in the sense of like when we get to the playoffs they always say uh what like let the players play you know where things like pass interference are way looser uh, once we get to the playoffs, because it's like, look, let him beat the shit out of that player. He should have caught the ball or he shouldn't. Who cares if he, you know, knocked him to the side? It's the playoffs. And it feels like this is just extended to like a broader sense of how, how the sport is played. Oh, weirdly enough, the rugby I've encountered most often is Six Nations rugby. Um, 
that's rugby union. Okay. That's not what this, that's not what. No, uh, this, that Ryan sounds like a more, this person is shit talking rugby union saying you were watching. Yeah, so, so don't You're watch. watching pussy rugby. You're oh watching like God. bullshit so, okay, rugby. So six nations rugby is like, uh, basically the nations of the United Kingdom plus France, uh, and, uh, Italy for some reason. Okay. The map of league rugby played in Europe. Uh, the most popular locations are along the M62 corridor in the north north of England. Uh, Patrick, you know where where the British Isles sort of narrow. You got Wales off to the west. You know mm-hmm, where sort of tapers mm-hmm, north mm-hmm. of England before you're in Scotland. Literally, that little belt appears to be where league rugby is played in the UK. According okay. to this map, and that's where it exists in Europe. So already, immediately, we we enter a weird like it's a subculture in Europe, but it is the international game of rugby. That's weird. Okay, I think you know. Look, other people wrote in other things. I I appreciate it, but I think what Rob and I are asking is, how do we get into rugby? So please write in next week, two weeks from now. What do we? What research do we need to do before we re- revisit this rugby topic? Uh, before we, we don't want to talk about the Bears anymore. It's like how do we talk about rugby? Well, hey, instead? we're gonna have playoff baseball to talk about though. That's true. That's we will be. We'll be in like, uh, hey, you know, uh, pour one out for all uh, poor uh, White Sox fans. I was I was rooting for you. Was not. I don't root against the White Sox despite being a Cubs fan. I I really bum me out that that team really shit the bed. Uh, uh, this uh this season all right into questions more properly uh broadly uh uh one uh, uh hey robin patrick long time listener first time etc i'm writing about patrick's sports prompt for the week to tell you about how my little league coach killed my joy for sports i already loved watching baseball and loved playing even more at least at first Started out nine years old in an after-school coach pitched league with a team of my friends. Our coach was the dad of one of the other kids, and importantly, (laughs) a failed D1 NCAA pitcher who never even made it to the minors and still had a chip on his shoulder. For his day job, he owned and managed a Subway franchise, which feels important to point out. There's a lot going on there. The first couple of years, things were pretty chill. We were kids having fun, and it was just a... Most baseball experienced parent of uh, kids on the team. But when we graduated from coach pitch to kid pitch and started doing well as a team, I guess we should, if people aren't familiar, there is a period younger where kids are so young they cannot be asked to like actually throw the ball straight enough for kids to They would to never hit throw it. a hittable ball. Yep. No. Um, even if you're trying to do like softball where it's underhand and it's going up in the air, it's not going to happen. But kids are old enough to learn to swing a bat to contact. So you're working just on kids hitting the ball and then you work towards kids throwing a ball and then kids hitting that. So that is what it means by coach, bitch, kid, bitch. Uh, And started doing well as a team. He got super intense about practice. And when we graduated from playing in public school league to a low tier regional league, he went off the fucking rails. I wasn't necessarily good at baseball, but also wasn't awful. So I generally wasn't one of his targets. But this dude would basically make at least one child cry per practice and regularly berate the entire team after games whether or not we lost. One game late in the season, which we barely won any games in, we had a night game. Bottom of the 11th, I lose a pop fly in the stadium lights and turn an easy out into a double. We lose the game. As we're lining up for the whole shake hands, good game dance, our coach, again, a grown-ass adult man, grabs my shoulder and looks at me, an 11-year-old child, in the eyes and says, 
great job, fuck up. You lost this for us. I remember crying in the car when my dad tore this dude a new one. At first, well, hey, shout outs for the dad to actually do that because I don't think every parent would would do that. Uh, at first, I didn't want to even look at baseball again, but I ended up playing on a different team the next season. Felt so good to leak uh, my old coach's signs to a new coach. Your, your team was a team of 11-year-olds and you had signs? Dude, I, I even at the uh, neighborhood kids that I hear about, things that are happening at like nine years old or you start paying enough money and things yeah, I know. Uh, felt so uh but i never recaptured my excitement for baseball or really any sports started doing different athletics the next school year playing more video games now we are in 2022 and it's probably a decade since i watched a professional sport on purpose let alone attended a game in person i've tried to get back into following collegiate and professional sports over the years including baseball again my local team was on a tear and made it to the series but i couldn't do it i did hear last season and my old coach was still an unrepentant asshole to children. He even started skipping games he didn't think his team could win. The next year, he forced his son to go to a private high school with a good baseball program to create a, le- <laughs> quote, a legacy. Guess who doesn't play baseball anymore? Fuck capitalism. Steal home. Steve K. Uh, this is brutal. I don't I don't have a story that is as as mean as this, but the older I get, the worse this story sounds when I tell it out loud to people that weren't around at the time that it, it occurred when I played. So my dad really wanted me to play baseball and basketball. And he was like, you have to play it till you're in high school and then you can do whatever you want. Said, okay. Like playing basketball. Didn't like playing baseball. Didn't click for me. Didn't like the fact that a really like a, a ball that could hurt me was being like hurled at me. Or like if the sun was out, I, I had to look it in the sky. I just didn't, didn't like baseball, didn't click for me. And when I was younger, in like third, fourth, fifth grade, maybe it was a little older because it's all kind of a blur, uh, my stance got all fucked up when I'd go up to the plate. And what I would do is, um, when a ball would get near me, I would, I think I've told you this story, Rob, uh, privately, uh, I would turn, so you imagine someone like getting up to the plate, if, they're, if the ball's coming at them, like it's going to be a ball that might hit them, you would yeah. kind of move out of the way. I would get shook and I would like turn inwards. And as a result of turning inwards, I would frequently turn into the ball and I would get hit. And yep. so not on every time, but like often enough, I would go up to bat, not hit the ball, would turn the kind of turtle in, get hit and then get onto base. And my team came up with the nickname, the magnet. Because the magnet meant that you were going to get hit by the ball and get onto base. And I would come up and from the dugout, they would go magnet, magnet, magnet. And that felt like shit because the coaches weren't stopping it. Uh, It was basically like, you're bad at this. You're not having any fun. What's happening to you is humiliating and also the team is rallying behind a nickname to reinforce a bad behavior uh, and like a bad habit as a player. And like I remember one time, like when I would play those games, I would just sort of not let it phase me. And then it would just happen again. And then I get on base and yada, yada, yada. 
And then I remember specifically one time, like one of my really good friends, like cracking a joke about it, like when we were just back at home and just like melting down, like crying, like because in the environment where it was just a buddy making up what they thought was a harmless joke, it like suddenly dawned upon me, like how cruel the thing that was happening to me was. Uh, the bucket had been filled all the way up. Yeah. And also like yeah. they weren't trying to be mean. They thought right. like they'd been they'd gone to my games like it was at a park down the street from my house. So like yeah. when we couldn't play, it would be like, well, we, he, Patrick can't play in the yard. Like, do you want to just go watch his his game? And so they would hear like magnet. It's like, oh, he thinks it's funny. And I didn't think it was funny, but I just like sort of internalized it. And then when it was like said to me outside of the context of the game, like. Then finally, my dad, like, I like went in crying to my mom and like, then my dad was like, oh, I guess I should say something. He was like, yeah, maybe you should have said something when you, <laughs> the, the crowd was yelling magnet. But it, this was also like how things were just were at the time, right? Yeah. Like, that's not to excuse my parents or my dad specifically, but kids were mean and like parents were shitty and they're still shitty, but it's like all on a sliding scale of like what, what our definition of shitty is as, as time goes on. Yeah, this is this story is pretty out there. Uh, the the it wasn't directed at me, uh, but my first little league team, uh, we had a really good pitcher on our team, and immediately their expectations for that kid uh, put there by his parents. And the thing was, like, I felt so because again, we were very young, so incredibly. This is the first year we were eligible to play little league, and I remember, like, the thing I figured out was he was a great pitcher until he threw his first bad pitch. It was pure, like it was the first I ever saw like like the psychology of sports unfolding in front of my eyes of someone just like getting the yips or just choking choking uh like to death because what they were under so much pressure that like you would watch them you know they might get you know a bunch of strikeouts for for a couple innings and like holy shit like they're really they're really on a tear and then they throw one bad pitch and Cuba burst into tears and like start trying to fight through it and it would just get worse and you'd have like bases loaded on a walk and the thing is his, his dad did nothing to make it better his dad would you know just sort of you know you know try to yell him to yell at him like focus and 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 tighten up the play uh and it was just real i felt i felt horrible for that kid but the other thing that really bugs me is and so you you mentioned it like that there is now such a fast pipeline to like playing in developmental leagues or special like travel team leagues and such and like so much of sports is like now a racket for separating ambitious middle class parents from their money uh to like promote their kid into an athletic track at an age where these kids have no capacity to know what their interest level is or what their like calling is going to be like kid, you know, kid can know they love baseball or something at, you know, age seven or that's not saying that, but like, you don't know if you want to make it your life yet. There are kids at like really young ages where things can be identified as my God, you are especially yeah. good at a specific thing. But then there is a fine line between identifying a kid as a good at a thing and then exploiting a parent's ambition. Yeah. And whatever the extent of that child's talent Yep. Like the ceiling of that talent actually is. Well, and also you just have like and then there's a lot of great athletes who have only really snapped into focus as like being great athletes at like age 15, 16. Yeah. Like it just it comes together and like the interest is there. The physical ability finally shows up uh, and it's like. 
you know, I, I think a lot of times parents have this fear of like, oh, those were lost years. You know, if they know they were going to be this good, uh, you know, we could invest in them and develop that talent. I don't know, man. Like, I think Roger Federer is probably going to be great at tennis no matter what. You know, I mean, that's that's <laughs> that that's that's kind of the thing yeah, is I like, agree. I think the the odds of I mean, we know for a fact the odds of just ruining a sport for somebody and like leeching the joy of the sport and like 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 doing damage to a kid is much, much higher, like pushing the shit on them than it is the odds of like creating a prodigy. Yeah, I agree. Uh, last question here before we uh, do the uh, our pickums for uh, the upcoming NFL schedule. Uh, hi there. I hope I've sent this to the right place. Patrick did a great job explaining transfers in football. Thank you. I definitely did a ton of research and did not just read a letter that someone meticulously researched and wrote out for us, but I appreciate the acknowledgement. Actually, you know what? No, hold on. I forget this. I am I am slandering this letter for no good reason. They're writing Patrick with a C because when we read that letter, it was written in by a Patrick with a C, and I am a Patrick with a CK. So actually, this all comes together beautifully, and I am a dipshit. I apologize to, let me scroll to the bottom, Alex from Australia. I am sorry. I am sorry. Wait, it says Johnny. Johnny, shit. It's too Alex here. from Australia is, an, is, is a different one that I cut. <laughs> Alex from Australia, thank to, you for writing in. Shout out to Alex from Australia, but thanks to Johnny. <laughs> uh, Patrick did a great job explaining transfers to football. You guys did a great job not making fun of the young boys who play at Wankdorf Stadium. One thing Patrick did leave out, though, is Jean-Marc Bamel. In the early 90s, Bamel was playing for the RFC Liège in Belgium. When his contract expired, he wanted to leave for... <laughs> Dunkirk, which is in a question mark uh, in, in this in this email as they try to phonetically spell things for us in France. A transfer was agreed, but the Belgian team wanted to free wanted the fee up front. Dunkirk refused, uh, leaving a Bosman stuck in a Liège. Uh, then he cut his wages by 75%. Bosman sued Liège, the Belgian Football Association and the governing body of European football, UEFA. Uh, he won. His victory meant that any footballer could leave their club at the end of their contract with no transfer fee. This gave players huge negotiating power, allowing them to demand they are paid their full, their fair share of a team's profit, or else they can wait out their contract and find employment elsewhere. This makes footballers one of the few largely working class professions well compensated for their work. While no player has bought their contract out to force a move as of yet, plenty have performed the minimum of their contractual obligations in order to collect their wages and run down their contracts. While clubs can no longer keep players against their will, they benefit by being able to avoid paying transfer fees if they wait out a player's contract. They're able to begin negotiating with a player once they reach their last six months of a contract. This has led to some tedious LeBron James-style dramas as players choose between suitors and their current club, but some funny ones as egotistical players significantly overestimate demands for their services. Hope this helps you understand football transfers more and hope you end up watching Welcome to Wrexham. Do not, under any circumstances, look up how okay. Wrexham's season ended. That I think info. that I think we're going to bank that as yep. maybe a potential other... A sports pod one is we I think we should watch that whole show and then we'll we'll do a whole thing on that. So thanks to Johnny. Also thanks to Alex for having his name deleted under that in the document. But that is like that is a fascinating way to handle 
contracts you you don't have you know you know again this this podcast is sort of based on the NFL you don't really have situations where you have players who are in a situation where they can just do the bare minimum to get by it's actually frequently we have organizations that want players to do the minimum so they don't hit certain like accelerants in their contract which is like certain number of touches certain number of yards as opposed to a player purposely sitting out to do the bare minimum the the, the closest we have are like on the bears we had Rokon smith you know like one of the best players on on the team a linebacker doing what they called a a contract sit in, which is where you are not like sitting out, you're training, you're with the team, but you want a new contract, but ultimately you have no leverage. So you still end up playing for the team. Like that's like some of the weird closest things that I can think approximating that. But uh, this, the way it is outlined here for how it can work for football slash soccer is really interesting. Yeah, that is like honestly, I want to reread this email a couple times to fully grok how all the like how this changes the the leverage dynamics. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm curious if people want to build off this. If there are other instances of different players, I I am curious. So the specific one that is pointed out here by Johnny, where uh, they point out uh, both uh, uh, Johnny writes funny ones is egotistical players. <coughs> Excuse me significantly overestimate their demands for their services that I'm interested in. Yeah. And then also players who uh, essentially are just like waiting out or like not wanting to do things. So if folks want to write in with specific instances of players, either just like, fuck it, I'm uninterested or uh, a player is like, I'm on the top of the world and it doesn't work out for them. Please write in uh, with some specific uh, examples of that in action. Uh, Rob, I went back. Uh, my I, my uh, youngest daughter has hand, foot, and mouth disease, and so I have lost daytime work times. And so I spent last night a good 40 minutes listening to old podcasts, listening to us talk about what we thought about previous weeks in the NFL and writing up our pick'ems. We have a, cur- we have a pick'em league going uh, with no money on the line over at uh, gridirongames.com. Uh, if you look up... You could still join. It wouldn't. It would be tough because it would the, the numbers wouldn't make sense at this point. But if if you wanted to, if you go and check my Twitter account. There is a link to a gridirongames.com uh, pickums league where you can choose who you think is going to win or lose each week. Um, and we've got like uh, like a hundred plus, like one hundred twenty people playing uh, as of uh, week two in the NFL, and I'm very excited to see uh, how all that plays out. But when I went and added things up, week one which didn't exist for us. We didn't do any uh, predictions on the, that first week because we didn't uh, record until after that first week happened. It doesn't count. Week two, you went eight of 16. I went nine of 16 in our predictions for the week. Uh, week three, consistency, Rob. Eight of 16. I, I dropped a little bit, seven of 16. Uh, and then week four, the most recent week, you went 10 of 16. And I went 12 of 16. So I will so, I will say this. I didn't hit the green button to submit my pick on the Thursday game, but I would have picked Miami and I would have lost that anyway. Okay. Uh, well, that but I would have I would have picked Minnesota, which would have brought me to 11 because I really was convinced that like they would be significantly better than New Orleans. That did not work out the way I thought. Uh, but the early the London game uh, threw I'll, me off. You know what? I'll like, allow, that's a mistake. I'm, I'm going to allow this. Is, this is week four. I'm moving you from 10 
to 11. You can't change this in the gridiron games that yep. you're still going to lose that, but I will allow yep. this Appreciate for the, the sports podcast. So that takes from 11, that gives you up to 25. So that total so far, 25, yep. 28, Rob, 28, 48, uh, Patrick. Uh, so that is where we People are. should not bet with us is I think what this no, is showing. No, no, no. Although I will say uh, one of the uh, the broader statistical things that is coming out in the season of the NFL is offense is way down in general. Like yeah. points are down. Uh, average yards per player is down. Um, this is normal in which offense has been spiking the last couple of years as both rules, quarterbacks, wide receivers are just – unbelievable talents and defense has been de-emphasized. So it is actually kind of cool. It's well, it's less cool if you just want to see like big plays happen, but it is interesting to see an ebb and flow of the league where this will probably offenses will figure it out by the end of the year. But uh, for the time being, even some of the most explosive offenses, I guess, Patrick Mahomes aside, because I mean, did you see that play that he did the past week where he like spun out of a defender and then like, dunked it like a basketball. I could just, it doesn't make any sense. All right. So we're going to pick the upcoming uh, slate of games. Uh, week five uh, coming up. Uh, uh, week six will not be picked on a podcast. We're going to a buy uh, like every other week uh, cadence going forward, but that you'll be able to see those predictions on, uh, on the uh, gridiron games, uh, com thing. If you, if you want to see uh, what, uh, how we pick or we'll recap those uh, when we get we get back to it. But the first game, Thursday night game, Colts at Broncos. Colts one, two, and one. Broncos two and two. The Colts are bad. The Colts are bad. But I, I is Denver that good? No. No. <sighs> but Matt Ryan might be dead. Yeah, but hold on. Uh, now is 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 Russell Wilson's corpse beginning to rot? Maybe, but Matt Ryan might actually be dead and buried. <laughs> yeah, let's. I mean, the the thing is, okay. So, explain to me why the Colts beat the Chiefs. That's the, this is the outlier. What happened? Uh, if you if you were to rewatch the highlights of the game, what you would discover is a bunch of things. It's a ball bouncing the wrong way. Okay. There also, a very no low ev- scoring game though. Yes, but the the Chiefs should have scored like an additional 20 points. Okay. And then that okay. game would have made a lot more sense. All right. Denver then. Yes. Okay. All right. So right down. We're both on Broncos. All right. Next up giants three and one in. We didn't talk Rob. We somehow we didn't actually talk specifics, maybe because it was psychological trauma. Uh, to do so, to talk about the the Bears losing to the Giants, a team that by the end of that game did not have a quarterback, was was running the Wildcat formation with Saquon Barkley in order. Did you, did you watch that game? No. Well, I did not know that this is how it ended. Daniel Jones gets injured, ankle injury. Uh who was their uh, backup? Who was the guy that got stabbed in the chest of the Chargers? Oh, God. Yes. Uh, that guy. He's their backup. He, um, you know, half a quarter, quarter in, 
uh, gets uh, there's a like a helmet to helmet Tyra uh, hit Tyra Taylor uh, helmet to helmet injury or uh, injury that uh, it doesn't really get called um, kind of one of those bang bang plays that they should call and sometimes just doesn't uh, but he like has to go to the sideline for a possible concussion uh, and essentially they just run it down the Bears th- like they just line up Saquon Bart like eventually so Daniel Jones comes back in because they have him as the quote quarterback, but he's snapping to Saquon Barkley and they're just running the ball. They didn't Rob the bears lost to a team that didn't have a quarterback for like half a quarter. Incredible. So good. Yeah, it was great. So the giants three and one, although a fraudulent three and one. Yeah. Uh, against at the Packers. Yeah. Green Bay team, those look fine. They look fine. They are, they are just ripe to get blown out in the first round of the playoffs. I don't have any, there's nothing yeah. about the Packers that suggests to me they're going to be a good team, but they're like the NFC is so weak that like they'll, they'll be, they'll be fine. So I'm not going to choose the giants here. They don't have wide receivers. They don't have quarterbacks and the Packers have more of those. So I guess we're both, we're both firmly Packers yeah. on this one. Uh Steelers, the now led by Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett. Pickett. The uh, Steelers, Pickett Mitch Trubisky, RIP to your career. See you in the XFL next year because I don't think Trubisky is even going to be have a backup job. I think he is straight up XFL. And that may, maybe, the, you know, that'll be an offseason narrative for us, Rob, is to get in on the Mitch Trubisky led corpses or whatever the XFL team. Like the Rock is bringing back the XFL next season. He bought it off of. Uh, oh hell yes! D- is so. USFL formally folded or are they still kicking around? Mm, we, we did. We I, I skipped over the letter. There was someone that was trying to get us into the Canadian Football League. Uh, we didn't have time for it, but uh, that I maybe that is coming back. But the XFL is definitely coming back, led by or, The Rock. What um, was the? It's not USFL. What was the hell? What, the one that the other one here? Yeah. Yeah, I know. There was another one. I I don't know. I, I can't I can't remember at this point. Steelers one and three at Bills three and one. The Bills are are mortal in a way that they did not feel early in the season. They have lost safety Micah Hyde for the entire season. Not even like a hey, maybe he might come back for the playoffs, just gone. Like has a neck injury that is not gonna that's gonna keep him out until next year. Uh I mean, I think they're going to be fine, but the Bills are not the at the beginning of the season. I would have picked them to be maybe they would not just not lose a game. That said, I'm not about to bet on a rookie quarterback. No. Um, so I'm. I think we're both firmly uh, Bills uh, for for that game. Chargers two and two at the Browns two and two. Two teams I don't, I don't have a lot of confidence in right now. No. Uh, no. But I guess I have a slightly greater amount of confidence in the Chargers. I feel like this is a coin flip. I'm going to go against you merely on the coin flip argument, which is just. I I like the quarterback in the Chargers a lot more, but that team is wonky. They have had gotten hit with a bunch of injuries. And the one thing I'll say about the Browns other than being a trash organization that signed Deshaun Watson, is they have a really good run game. Um, that's it. Did you see that? The Miles Garrett thing? No. 
You didn't see he Wait. tried to avoid an animal, flipped his car over like four times. Oh my god! Sh- like probably should have died and came off with minor injuries. Didn't play this Sunday, but I didn't read all the de- details. But it suggested like I don't want to hit a squirrel, oh, yeah. and then like flipped his car five I, I times. <laughs> Oh wow! Okay, yeah, he was driving a Porsche. Uh, I don't know how fast he was going, so that might have had a, something to something to do with it. Incredible! Jesus Christ! Right, this is yeah, Rob. Uh, this is me. Uh, Texans, oh three and one, and the Jaguars, two and two. Jaguars, baby, I'm all in. I mean, yes, did I did they sort of implode against the Eagles? They went up 14-0 and then Trevor Lawrence like fumbled the ball four times in a row for the rest of that game. Yes. But I th- I think the I think the Jaguars are going to be okay. Yeah, hands down, hands down. Sorry, Lovey. Sorry, Lovey. Bears 2 and 2 at Vikings 3 and 1. This, you know, we, Rob, we, we can revisit this after we go through this lineup. Uh I, I, but I do believe this, this, even if we were to revisit the bear standings, I think we chose this as a loss. Before. Yes, I think so, too. So we are going to say I think that. We, I think the, we were confident about the Giants wrongly. Yes. yes. Uh, but we were we were pretty certain about like where we rated next to the Vikings. Yes. Yes. Although the Vikings don't look that good either. So uh, but I think we're going to lose. And actually, it may be handedly and embarrassingly. Lions one and three. At Patriots, one and three. I'm sticking. I've stuck with the Lions. It hasn't paid off in the standings, but I am not giving up now. Do you know what the name of the Patriots quarterback is right now? Uh, yeah. Uh, fuck. Um. Oh shit. Starts with the Z. Zeb. His last name. Zappy. Zappa. Yeah. No, because I I like that was an example of um their quarterback. Got pulled out due to concussion protocol, right? And it looked like a pretty mild uh, play. Well, they had uh, uh, Mac Jones had a leg injury that's going to keep him out for probably a decent amount of time. And then they had Brian Hoyer, player who's been on the Bears, who's been on a bunch of – he's a real journeyman quarterback. Yeah. Uh, totally fine. You know, can won't win you a game, won't lose you a game. Uh, he went out with, a, yeah, I think some a concussion or uh, an injury uh, uh, similar to that. Uh, and then, yes, like their third string, fifth round quarterback, something zappy. Absolutely. Uh, that being in. said, I'm you know what? I mean, I'm with you. I'm I, I believe in the Lions. The Lions just scored like 42 points in a Seahawks game in which there was no defense. So the, the Lions should be like two and two at least. Yes. Yes. Agreed. Seahawks, who are two and two at Saints, one and three. The Saints are a complete mess. I will stay with. I I no yeah. confidence. Like Alma Camara, Michael Thomas are not playing. The Seahawks are have Geno Smith, who is having a, a weirdly good season. I'm, I'm rooting for him. Well, he it's seems like weird a, though. A cool right guy. now they are still. The spread is still uh, the Saints giving the Seahawks points. Who were oh Seahawks at Saints? Yeah, I'm 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 all Seahawks. I'm I'm not I'm not putting anything on the on the Saints. Yeah, as well. I uh, God, that line though makes me feel like I'm missing something. But I'm 
I'm with you. Geno's had some great game. Uh, yes, yeah, Seattle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dolphins three and one. No Tua. Uh, they've already ruled him out for this week, probably because they would be <laughs> they're in line to lose draft picks if they if they play him uh, when they find out whatever happened behind the scenes, depending how much that is the NFL and how much that is the team. So that'll be uh, Teddy Teddy Bridgewater led. Dolphins and he's fine. He's Teddy good. Yeah, he he is. I mean, talk about a Teddy Bridgewater, a quarterback who was seen to be uh, not a savior, but like a really solid, uh, you know, be a, a Vikings quarterback that is going to lead them to wild card, like solid contention year over year at the beginning of the uh, Mike Zimmer era. And then he just suffers what is often described as one of the ugliest knee injuries that you could you could have. And it happened on a practice field when nothing occurred. He wasn't hit. He wasn't running. It's just his body fell apart. And players describe his injury as one of the most gruesome things they've ever seen. Uh, and he came back from it. So I will always root for Teddy Bridgewater because yep. that story is super fucking cool. And he's never going to fulfill the potential that he probably could have because his his body failed him. And but also, I will never make a pick on the Jets except in extreme circumstances. That's true. I didn't get there. The Jets two and two. I am not. I've seen Zach Wilson play. Uh, I'm I, no. I, no, thank you. Falcons two and two at Buccaneers two and two. This is an interesting one. The Falcons are not a good team. They play really interesting, good offense. The Bucks, Tom Brady dealing with TMZ reporting on his divorce. He's throwing tablets. They got a good defense. Their offense is kind of all over the place. I'm ready to root against them, but I also feel like that's my priors overriding logic. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm betting Tampa Bay. Yeah, like, I'm with you. I'm with you. I can't quite do it. Yet. Also, he I, doesn't. I he like I was I was getting like to the point where I'm like, boy, he he looks pretty washed up. Uh, he still got some zip on those passes. Like that last game, he looked he looks pretty good. Like it's it, like he is still a decent quarterback. Uh, and he's still got a decent team. He is, but I do want to read this tweet from Alex Navarro. Uh, from uh, earlier, I saw this before recording. It was good. <laughs> From uh, Alex Navarro at Next Lander. Whatever you think of Tom Brady, you have to admit that blowing up your marriage to Giselle so you can get power bombed three hours a day by guys 20 years younger than you and achieve generously an 8 9 record is objectively a very funny bit. And he's right. I. He's right. I do wonder, like. Is it is it literally like the marriage was in okay shape and it was just this like decision to come back like that was that's that's been it or was it like a slow I have no I idea think, I think we've been working our way there but uh, she's given enough interviews over the years that like the football thing like five years ago was what else do you have to achieve you have more money like they're. I, I, like any relationship, it is more complicated than the thing yep. that appears in a Vanity Fair interview. But yeah, my guess is when you're seeing stuff like that, it is indicative of like larger sort of like gaps. And in- I can't. 
like talk about like an idyllic life and yes you are willing to blow it up because it's like to go get the shit i cannot imagine not doing this on sunday i would rather blow up my marriage to one of the wealthiest models who's ever lived mm-hmm. um that i've started a family with for i've had a family with for like 20 years multiple kids yeah yeah uh but i must i simply must go play for the buccaneers <laughs> Titans two and two at Commanders one and three. What a shit show. This sucks. I'm will I will hopefully watch no highlights of this game. Uh I don't even know where to begin on what to pick. I will only choose the Titans because I refuse to bet on Carson Wentz. So I cho- I choose the Titans. I'm always hopeful that like Derrick Henry might like Sure. Don the cape one more time, too. Yes, yes. Always rooting for him. 49ers, one and, one and two. I guess that's actually maybe that's maybe hey, changed since I put this in. Jimmy Garoppolo suddenly looked like a decent quarterback. I kind of am curious what you make of that uh, this last week. Because remember, he famously had like a truncated and messed up like camp. Show, well, yeah, messed up camp, messed up shoulder, you know, full disclosure. Uh, completely uh, in the tank for the Garoppolo family. My brother was roommates with Jimmy Garoppolo's brother for a number of years. Uh, also, fuck the Packers. Like immediately yeah. makes him my favorite. Oh my god, pseudo yes. bear. Oh in, yeah, <laughs> like him doing a Robbie Gold and <laughs> them both being like, fuck these fuck guys. The Packers. And he's yeah. he's also from Barrington. Like he he is a local Illinois kid from the northwest suburbs. Uh, we'll always, we'll always root for, for, for Jimmy G, uh, especially because the bears and 49ers don't really have a rivalry. So it doesn't really, it doesn't really conflict despite being in the same conference. He is a, I mean, like the, that Super Bowl game where, where he missed that open, uh, uh, you know, receiver, I, I forget the receiver he was throwing to in that, in the Super Bowl against the, uh, the chiefs, but, uh, he's good enough. But he is the quintessential, he's good enough. Like, he is, he will get them to the playoffs, you know, just in the way he has done for years on end. And so, does that make that team extremely awkward going forward? Yes, because they're, unlike at least the Bears, I think, the Bears will have some answers by the end of this year. Even if it's a bad team that's not giving, putting uh, someone like Justin Fields in the best chance to succeed. Uh, Trey Lance played two games and they have no idea what they have in him. But with Jimmy, I, Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah. he's solid. He is a Dak, you know, Dak Prescott esque. Uh, he will win you eight or nine games in the right structure with the right players, but he won't go beyond that. Right. Like he is going to need the team to do heavy lifting around him. But also you can do a lot worse than that. Right, like jettisoning a player who can play in structure, hit the short passes. Uh, Yeah, he's not going to hit the deep ball 60 yards out. He's not going to run around. But I don't know. You keep going to the playoffs. There are worse scenarios to be in. Yeah. Either way, I don't think we need to wrestle with this too much for Carolina. No, it's Uh, not the Panthers. Yeah. Also, like the Panthers, Bears related, the Panthers – like are a team ready to just be blown up 
and they have multiple wide receivers that are really good that would want to land somewhere else. And they are the kind of team that either at the trade deadline or in the off season, I would want a DJ Moore or a Robbie Anderson to end up on the bears. So (laughs) I want the Panthers to lose because I want that team to implode. So they would like to come to a team that wants to take a chance on a quarterback like Justin Fields. Eagles four and one at Cardinals two and two easy, easy. Austin Walker's, the greatest team in football. I, You know what? It's so fun. His, we can't read his DMs out loud. That would be betraying privacy between us. But I think the we man is the excited. vibe of the group text The man is, is excited. <laughs> the, the, the group text is not what it was uh, on Sundays. It's, 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 one, it's one man talking to himself. For like 12, 12 messages being like, but our run game and it's just it's I'm ha- I could not could not be happier. I will heartily root for the Eagles. They they will be my adopted team going forward. Like I, I, I could not be happier if uh, if uh, the Jalen Hurts Eagles keep going. So fly Eagles fly. We're, we're, we're team Eagles here. Cowboys three and one. Uh, Dak Prescott not coming back for this one is still Cooper Rush at the Rams. Two and two. I guess that's to be updated because of the the Monday night game. Since I put this together, um, I don't know what to make of this game. The Rams don't look good. Matthew Stafford does not look good. Rob, an aside. Allen Robinson looks like shit. And I don't know what to make of that. I thought he just gave up on football because he was tired of the Bears, Trubisky, uh, Allen Robinson, a, a quarterback uh, the Bears had for the last three years, who oh, was the most reliable, just really good, tough catches, uh, taking it from shit quarterbacks. He went from Blake Bortles on the Jaguars, famously one of the worst quarterbacks of the last 10 years, to Mr. Trubisky, who will be remembered as one of the best, the worst quarterbacks of the last 10 years. And I believe in his college and in high and even in high school, caught passes from awful quarterbacks and constantly showed up. And the whole theory was, if you just gave him a real quarterback, imagine what he could be. And maybe the Rams have other problems, but he sucks on the Rams. And I don't know what to make of it. And it actually is like a huge bummer. I I really was like rooting for him specifically like he got fucked by the team like the bears didn't offer him like a good enough contract maybe it works out like because it turns out he was he was done and that's like the tragic thing about football but I, it's weird yeah yeah uh i don't know man uh, this is a tough one honestly uh because like the, Cow- the cowboys I, I feel like their luck is just do- due to run out like, i know but they have an inc- Micah Parsons on the Cowboys is a one man wrecking team. And so I can't bet against the Cowboys. So my, 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 my gut tells me pick the Rams because they've got Cooper Cup and Jalen Ramsey know. and Aaron Donald. But the last Cowboys tells, game my, I saw looked pretty. Yeah. My heart tells me to pick the Cowboys. I'm going to go with my heart. I'm going with the Cowboys. All right. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with the Rams. I just okay. don't think I don't think this is who they are. 
for this year. I agree with you. I'm just taking some chances. Last game, Bengals two and two, which I will point out on a previous podcast. I said my theory. Two, two more? Which yeah. one am I missing? Uh, KC Las Vegas. Uh, Bengals two and two. Uh, I had pointed out on a previous podcast that uh, they were my theory for my fantasy team. Did not work out first two games. Zero and two. Did work out the next two games. Two and two. So I'm crawling, crawling my way back on uh, T.Y. Higgins and uh, Joe Burrow. So uh, Bengals two and two at Ravens. Two and two. Uh, Lamar Jackson looks incredible. Uh, really running out the string on I'm going to bet on myself with no contract, see how it all works out. Uh, this is also a tough one to pick. I don't think there's a clear a favorite here. Oh, for, I'm giving it to no, for Baltimore all the way. Um, oh, yeah? Well, yeah, no. Did you see the buff, the Buffalo game? Yeah, I saw the highlights. I didn't see the, the entirety of the game. They both played at a high level the the entire game like that is a like they play anyone but buffalo i think the uh i think baltimore is three and one uh and like pretty convincingly jackson is like it's not just that he's you know the dynamic and like uh you know fast athletic player he's always been he's also just become like a significantly better quarterback doing Mm -hmm. quarterback stuff than ever before so I'm all in, baby. Uh, like, you know, I've already said, like, Baltimore's kind of like low-key my adopted team. Uh, okay. And, like, if I'm, when I'm not a Bear fan, I'm a Baltimore fan. Uh, and I, I just, I see a lot more that gives me confidence in Baltimore uh, than I do in Cincinnati. All right, I'm going to ride on my fantasy team. Stick with Bengals. Rob's going with the Ravens. Last, KC 3-1, and one, Vegas 1-3. One and three. I- <laughs> I mean, I don't, Josh McDaniel is going to finish this out, like figure this out. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to be win this game though. No, I, I, uh, no, this is going to be this is going to be an ass whipping. Yes, yeah, like Mahomes looks on another. Although you know, Indy was supposed to be an ass whipping. Like this is this well, is the nature look, of football. Look, it's one of those things where anything could happen. Uh, you know, the uh, Las Vegas has Devonta Adams, Joe Jacobs. Like they have players. It's it's not that they're devoid of uh, devoid of talent, but I mean that last game with Mahomes is just like you just can't. Why would you ever bet against him? Like he he is just. There are plays he was th- like when we talk about football players acting as baseball players. Th- there were throws he made in that most recent game that just don't make any sense, and I, he is far and away the best quarterback in the league. He is not always the flashiest player game to game, but then he has a game like that and you go, God damn, he is the best player on the field when he wants to be. So, so we're both KC or you're, you're, you're thinking Josh Mendez is going to pull this out? No, I'm going to KC, of course. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, and with that, that's going to do it. So all coming up for the Bears. We we have the Vikings. After that, we have the uh, the Bears at the Commanders on Thursday night football. As far as we know, unfortunately, it doesn't appear that we would be able to host that on Twitch. They have done Amazon hosting of NFL games in the in the past. We are hoping that by this time, 
something like that would come around. If something happens between now and then, we will endeavor to pull whatever strings that we can to do that. But at the moment, uh, that is that is unfortunately just we'll have to pick that up right before mm, another thing that's happening that month that'll be revealed. I don't know. I guess we should probably announce other stuff that's happening this month yeah. at some point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that'll be, that'll, that'll make more sense, uh, closer, closer to then. Um, in the meantime, you can follow Waypoint uh, on Twitter at Waypoint on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Waypoint on YouTube at youtube.com slash Waypoint Vice and our writing at waypoint.vice.com. This episode is premiering ad free on Waypoint Plus, which you can subscribe to and gain access to early episodes, exclusive episodes, ad free episodes, and more at waypointplus.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Patrick Lovick. Rob, where can people follow you? At Rob Zachme. And until next time, fuck capitalism and bear down. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.